This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use offer code PROBABLYSCIENCE. Probably Science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science, um, your week in science news. Uh, joining me as I'm Jesse Case, sorry. Joining me as always is uh, Andy Wood. Yes. And uh, Mr. Matt Kirshen. Thank you for giving me the full title. It's been a while. It has been a while. It I has like, been a while. I like the more formal nature of that introduction. Yeah, it does. It is weird that you're the only person to be denied, though. I remember going Sir Matt Kirshen and then. And it just, they took it back a bit. They did, like, they did take I it back. I failed the jousting. Yeah. I wasn't sufficiently <laughs> chivalrous. I would love if there was some weird. Like backwritten thing they discovered in the Magna Carta, where if England had to go to war, like knights had to fight. So you yeah. have like Paul McCartney and Elton John. They just like <laughs> oh have God. they just Amazing. have to go to the Crimea. Every actor over sort of six years, <laughs> right? Alec Guinness, or yeah. well, no, he's dead. Ian McKellen, what, Ian McKellen, <laughs> Patrick Stewart, yeah. just like an insane amount. It'd be the highest grossing war of all time, the biggest failure of all time. <laughs> the ratings would be insane. The ratings in that war, but would the be... making of the war, yeah. would oh, the... be remarkable. Yeah, and uh, so this is kind of a special episode because not only are we recording audio but we're being filmed a little we are yeah. being filmed mm. we're being filmed by by dutch people we're being filmed yeah. by dutch people <laughs> unlike most i gotta make you big in holland that's, that's... <laughs> unlike most of the times we're being filmed by dutch people this is for television right. this is for a thing uh that is the voice of one of our guests um someone i met in in amsterdam quite a while ago uh yeah, i was introduced five years. five years ago a comedian who i was introduced with with this is the Dutch guy who looks like you, which I, I don't see at all, but they were delighted to introduce you. I can see it. I can see it a bit. Uh, very funny comedian and comedy writer, Stefan Pop. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and joining Stefan as well. Um, I'll, I'll oh. intro this one. Uh, a good friend of mine who uh, I've known for almost as long as I've been doing comedy, originally from Portland, uh, writer, performer, comedian, Riley Newton. Hello. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Two yeah. super funny people. It always feels like when you introduce a comedian, there should be a, a applause afterwards. Right. So I was like, I want, I, I oh, want yeah, to yeah. clap. I mean, some shows with more with higher budgets have the little applause button that you can press. That can't be that much money. We've got to get one of those. Yeah. You reckon? Next week. We'll have All right. We'll get that. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, you're, you're over here. We should talk this through a little bit. You're over here um, doing some shows, but also making a documentary about yeah. the comedy scene in America. Yeah, it's I, I, like I did one in New York, and then uh, I told them that I would come here for a few weeks uh, in LA, and then the TV network asked me to do a new documentary now in LA. And uh, well, podcast is one of the things we don't really have in Holland. It's not really that popular, so I was interested in uh, what what a podcast is and what a cultureless place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's only museums yeah. and uh, Holland paintings. <laughs> yeah. That's what's ever, what's ever happened there? <laughs> you know? So I wonder if the reason that podcasting isn't as big there is just because English is such a, obviously, like a, a huge language around the world. It's easier to have a wide reach with a podcast if it's in English. And maybe if you did one in Dutch, it would have a narrower scope. Is yeah, that- it could be. But it could also be the distance. Like the driving here compared the amount of driving I do in, in a ho- I don't even have a car. So when you, when you drive to pick up your podcasts in Holland, <laughs> that's, a, that's a nightmare for people. No, but but aren't you kind of saying that like social is social media in general less popular? Because it seems like if you're closer to real humans, you might not need to listen or uh, you know like consume you could, it. Yeah, you could just you meet I mean? people in a cafe and have a conversation face to face, like yeah. weird freaks from the past. No, but like yeah. if, if I would go from Amsterdam to Rotterdam, 
I, I, it, it would take me like 40 minutes max. Uh, and I don't, I, like, I, I think it's, you, don't you like listen podcasts a lot uh, in, in, in the car? That's true. Is, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes well, sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. There, there's not a lot of waiting in, in Amsterdam. Just getting it done. You wake yeah. up, yeah. you get it done. Yeah. You've eliminated the inefficiencies that we need to have podcasting be a thing here. No, that's a great theory. Yeah. You've woken up, you've put on your wooden shoes. Yeah. You've checked on the windmill. <laughs> Start farming. And yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've checked on the windmill. You've given your, your tulips. You've given your wife a Dutch oven. <laughs> there it is. And... Or is it just an oven? Also, let me ask you this, and this is going to sound weird, but this is a real question I've had. I went on a date with a Dutch girl, yeah. and she made me pay. Yeah, now <laughs> are you aware of the phrase "going Dutch"? Yeah, and it's is 50, that a, fifty, right? Yeah, but isn't is that a racist of Americans, or is that a true Dutch uh, cultural phenomenon? I think it's a cultural phenomenon. You guys are we cheap. Got, well, it's we're, we're, we've been <laughs> just traders. Just, we've been just traders equal. for years, like if, like forever. You've been what? So, traders. 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 And not like the <laughs> uh, traders, rather yeah, traders. Like, <laughs> like, like like merchants or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, yeah. sure, sure. So uh, I think we were really tough on that, and then it kind of stuck. So, but didn't it originate from some kind of conflict between uh, Britain and and the Netherlands? Like, oh, don't, that, that I don't know. Because I thought, like, I, actually, I looked this up one one time because I was curious where that came from. And there's a whole bunch of phrases that are like like going Dutch is yeah, basically yeah. calling somebody cheap. Right? Yeah. So it's a knock on the Dutch. And then there are terms like a Dutch concert, which is a drunken uproar. Uh, so all these things no, that the British I've never heard invented. that either. Well, yeah. there are lots I, of them. I, like, I, I I've not heard that, and I am British. The Dutch, <laughs> Dutch concert? A Dutch um, I'm going to look up Dutch insults. Well, I, it there's, there's like a thing between are there more you guys Dutch and insults? The Dutch. I don't even know going Dutch. <laughs> well, no, I know that it is, a, it is a law in Holland based on the going Dutch phenomenon that if you pay for a girl's whole meal, she has to sleep with you. That's true. That's um, true. Because it's like how we did the British larval pro- Progression. Progression. Every Dutch girl starts as a prostitute, and then and then oh is no, and then grows out of that. You're able to do various things, you know. You know how we said we never edit this show. That might be one of the bits. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I looked yeah. this up. Okay, um, Dutch, other, Dutch other examples um, like Dutch courage. I think they start off as impressionist what's, paintings. What's Dutch courage? Because like yeah. Holland just, never goes to war, so I'm really interested. I think just when you're, when, you're, when you're drunk and starting uh, a fight. Oh, you'd Dutch, have Dutch, Dutch courage is is the is the extra confidence someone has from having consumed alcohol. Oh, okay. That's called Dutch courage? Dutch courage, yeah. But I've never heard Dutch... Dutch concert is like a rowdy... Yeah. I've never heard that. And I've been to concerts in the Netherlands. Like, to my mind, a Dutch concert would be people stoically looking at a performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) With minimal reaction. But but, so neither of you were aware (laughs) that there was historically, like, a conflict between... The UK and the Netherlands. Well, no, I know this. Really, like, I, I don't know. Like, but the way a we few have... times, but it was more with Spain. Holland yeah. and Spain were always oh, okay. at war. It's more of a Those Spanish thing. Yeah, eighty Spain years. Had a thing it was an eighty-year well. war. That's a long Pretty war. Long. Yeah, I think there were some breaks in between, but they felt like it's more catchy to make it like an <laughs> eighty-year war no, like, rather than like the sixteen <laughs> and then eight then year old. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds very epic. <laughs> So, you know, when people go on about how long Iraq and Afghanistan's been a mess for, it's nothing. It's nothing. Britain had a hundred years war as well. Yeah. Like, this is what, Afghanistan is what, 15? I think so. No, more. I feel like 80s, maybe, we started in there. Well, but then there was a break. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there were some breaks. How do you even sustain a multi-generational war? You know what it's I mean? Like you have to kind of hand off. You, just, you have to hand off the war. You I mean, just re-elect it. Republicans. You just but, put them back. No, but it's not like <laughs> in the politics. It, it's not like in the eighty-year war between 
you know, Holland and Spain, it, it's it's not like there's guys in their wheelchairs at the end going <laughs> yeah, so, out, but, like going back to the battlefield. No. So towards the tail end of that war, probably no one who started that war is still alive. Sure. Because yeah. war doesn't get started by children either. So there'd be like people's, people in their 40s probably declared war, 40s and 50s. Right. They would be long dead by the time that war ended. It's like those fam. It's like those family feuds that go on for generations, and you like, and no one can remember what it is that first. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we just hate them now. We don't. Know yeah, why. we like, we hate that family, and they've all got like they both sides have different variants of the same story. Yeah, like, they yeah. Tr- stole our embroidered blanket, and right. the other family's like they stole our embroidered blanket, and no one has the blanket to show either. Oh man, I I just wonder how different my life would be if my family was in a feud. <laughs> With like another it'd family, cool. it'd be, be kind of cool, cool. Yeah, if I was would... raised to like hate the Hadfields or something, and just like <laughs> you would bond with your family over yeah. the common enemy. Like it would make any internal family squabbles and, seem minor compared to this yeah. evil other family. And like you play with one of the Hadfield girls at school yeah, once, yeah. and then your parents flip out. Like no case kid will ever. Well, ever. I think I'm going to make sure if I have kids to to have a family feud going. <laughs> I'm going to make sure to pick a family. Even if it's not real, just to tell the No, even if it's not real, perhaps the cases in the woods or the cases in the Kershans. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we can be laughing about All it. Or the cases the in the Obamas. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just yeah. Aim high. <laughs> just go for it. Just aim high. Just go That's for amazing. it. Um, so, you... One more thing about the, the, those Dutch uh, insults is that it's really weird that, like, I, I've never heard of Dutch, Dutch concerts uh-huh. or Dutch uh, courage, but some other. Uh, like details get forgotten. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like there's not like uh, the um, we were the biggest slave traders, but I've, like nobody talks about that you anymore. You didn't have to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that that's never. It's not like part if of you think reputation. of Holland, it's always positive. People think of like yeah, liberal yeah. friendly yeah. Holland, right? Who sent a lot of people from yeah. Africa? Wow, I think yeah. of I, th- that- I think of uh, diary writing. That's what I think. I think yeah. I'm just keeping a diary. I imagine. Uh, and painting. Painting. And canal rides. Yeah, yeah, cutting your ear off. Having a diary. Windmills. Windmills. Tulips. Dutch have done tulips. really bad things, and they, like, they only get like d- going Dutch. That's the as worst. A, that's, uh, as as insults insult. go, it's pretty Yeah, benign. it's pretty good. It's pretty easy. I don't, I don't even know if it's necessarily an insult. Well, that's the thing is no one knows it is, but I'm saying the origin of the term was right. to insult the Dutch. But I, by the way, I should say none of this is me speaking. I love the Dutch. I went over to uh, um, Eindhoven a few times, uh-huh. the last job I had. So Matt and I both have backgrounds in science and engineering. And I used to have a job where I would have to travel to companies that make projectors. Like I'd have to go to Sanyo in Osaka and go to Philips headquarters in Eindhoven. Yeah, yeah. And it was great. Like I loved it. My only, the only stereotypes I came away from that were like everyone rides bikes and they're in great shape and very good looking. Like that's what I... Well, thanks very much for the compliment. <laughs> yeah. They're very <laughs> tall. Great... They're very tall people. It's very oh, yeah. tall. We met you guys, guys have shown up with the, the Walters. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You brought two Walters with you to film us. <laughs> they're both named Walter. And, and both of them are well over six foot. Both of them are, are you know, would just, they're not leaving because they just have modeling jobs now. They've been in LA for one day and they got modeling jobs. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. We met the grandparents of one of my coworkers and uh, who lived in the Netherlands and they were in their 70s and they were both like 6'5 and you don't see old tall people in the US that just doesn't happen no and they our were tall named, die young our tall die young <laughs> actually the tall do have shorter life expectancy thing, yeah, yeah. But uh, but they were named hitting the head repeatedly on door cams. No, I thought it was I thought it was the the cocaine in the NBA careers. It could be. I that. don't know what it happened. Could be that. But these old guys, their names were Wim and Pim, which are oh, adorable. Right. They, yeah. Are those common names? Well, yeah, kind of. Wim. And yeah, Pim. Pim is not that common. Okay. 
there's like a cartoon name almost. <laughs> yeah. Women Pim. Like yeah. I would believe that if they were cartoon mouse. Yeah. yeah. Like cartoon mice. Like little animated. Adventures of Pim and Wim. <laughs> well, there is sort of a fantastical. Th- I mean, if you're dealing with a place called the Netherlands. Oh, it does sound sort of. You know, Tolkien-esque. it's the Netherworld. Yeah. It's very. It's. I imagine. I imagine if I flew into Amsterdam, I would immediately meet a man who I have to go on some sort of quest. Um, <laughs> you answer a riddle before you can I have to answer. City. You have to answer a riddle before you can go to anywhere. Uh-huh. Anywhere in Amsterdam. The sex museum, you do have to answer a riddle, I think, but it's just about your birth date. And, uh, sure. It's about your birth date <laughs> and whether time. you have like five euros. Oh, speaking of which, this ties into our awful uh, plug of Squarespace earlier. Um, I saw this, and this is hilarious to me. Um, from time to time, I will view a pornographic picture okay okay sure i will suspend my disbelief for the please suspend your disbelief everyone suspend your disbelief from from time to time i will view a a pornographic picture and um there's a website here in america uh well i think it's the world wide web (laughs) it's probably everywhere (laughs) i don't know what i'm talking about um there's a uh, uh, andy pretend you haven't heard of it you guys pretend you haven't heard of it play cool there's a website called uh, Brazzers, very popular. What's, what's this now? It's called Brazzers. Okay. It's, a, it's a popular pornographic, I'll have to check it out one of those it's mega it's, sites. Okay. And, um, and every now and then I'll go and I'll peruse the trailers. Right. Because right. it's in HD. And, um, you know, and the trailers are 30 seconds long and that's enough for the old case, man. <laughs> so um, every now and then I'll peruse, I'll peruse the trailers. And, uh, and after you watch like five trailers, they try to get you to pay. Okay. There's like a trailer limit, okay. right? So they're like, okay, we know what you're up to we now. We know what you're <laughs> up to. You've tried to figure out how to hack the system yeah. by just watching a bunch of trailers. And you're the same guy who used to watch the five-minute free view. On right, the- right. And right now you're... You're the guy who, go- who walks around Costco all day getting a full meal out of just samples that are... Yeah. yeah. Jerking yeah. off. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Let's, yeah, we'll, state, we'll state the obvious. We'll state the obvious. Um, so like they have this thing where you can, um, where, you know, they try to get you to pay. And they're like, hey, it's 30 bucks for a month. Or, you know, but if you act now, it's seventeen ninety nine for a month. Or, or to pay, enter in the code from any gift card to any company. So like your grandma sends you a Barnes and Noble gift card and you're just like, I'm not reading a book, grandma. <laughs> Porn time. That's what I'm doing. How would they get money from that? I don't know how it works, but that's a thing they're doing. That's incredible. It's incredible. Does the gift card have to be of the value up to the, of the value of $30? Yes. It's okay. a, well, it, no, I mean, it, it comes out of your gift card. You can just use any gift card, like a Pizza Hut gift card. Use this, it for get your porn on. Is this going to be the new Bitcoin? Is this a currency? Like gift cards? Well, is there a secondary market? Currency. I guess that, that is... Well, I guess that is a way that people can. That I, I I imagine that's a smart way that they worked out where people can pay cash to view their website. That makes sense because it's not or, traceable. Because you can I mean, go, How does that company make money? I think they would have to resell that code to someone who wants to use it at the correct company. Yeah, they must have some kind of third party software. They must have some kind of vending company that actually takes the money and transfers it into real cash for them. But that does make sense. That kind of because. Then it's if you, sort of anonymous yeah, because if you want to buy something and like uh, that, also really nice guys off those websites, you know. <laughs> yeah, you should take that in consideration no, as sure. well. Sure, they're like, also most really of them knighted. Most of them are, are technically. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. I, 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 no, I. We're sh- talking browsers now. We're maybe, not talking uh, the lowbrow. No. no, no, maybe no. they're not. Maybe they're not transferring it into cash at, at the porn site's end. Maybe they're just using that using to, buy, like, to buy literature, crate and barrel gifts and stuff. Yeah, like their their apartment is full of like. Uh, naked models and <laughs> candles and nice towels. towels. Yeah, lovely towels. Yeah, Books. IKEA throw furniture pillow. and yeah, yeah a, a nice throw pillow. Exactly. Can't you, can't you California like a, pizza kitchen meals. 
Sure. You can buy like goats for charities, right? And yes. Goats for charities? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you buy like a goat for African uh, village. Oh, okay. Right. And then you give it to so- like I would give you a goat. Yes. And your goat is going to an African village. Well, you would do it in no. You you would do it in my goes, name. Yeah. You would say, "Hey, look, I don't respect you that much as a friend. So instead of giving you something yeah. that you can I've use, saved a polar bear." Yeah, and even I, though I know that your mother was killed by a polar bear, <laughs> and I forgot that because I'm a bad friend, but I mean, the, the, but the thing is, is they the thing that confuses me is they already they're not shipping a goat to that family. The goats are already there. Yeah, just estimating the cost of keeping a goat alive and saying, "Give us that money," and you're sort of underwriting this goat. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You'd like to see the goat. Well, transfer. you could probably say you could <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. name it, but it's probably Jesse. like the star naming thing. Where like, okay, you calling it, you're calling it that, but no one's gonna go up to that goat and say, "Hey, Jesse's goat." How's it? Jesse going? would like the full video yeah. of the goat yeah. being lowered down <laughs> yeah, the off the like, helicopter, oh. and the family just delighted. <laughs> well, and making like, and spelling you, out the words "Thank you, Jesse" with all their children, <laughs> right. all the village children spell out the no, words "Thank you, Jesse" with I, themselves. From I dis- love the star naming thing because it is a real registry. It's so, but it means nothing. It's for people that don't understand how numbers work because the number of stars is so incomprehensibly large that their individual value is literally zero like it's yes but no... it it cracks me up because i think it's a very arrogant thing of us to do oh yeah yeah because like it's our space like it's our space yeah. but i mean i would love if like aliens landed here and we found out that our son is named like james loves metallica <laughs> <laughs> and that's like and we're like oh we've been calling it the sun they're like th- no we have a website and yeah. it's definitely james <laughs> loves metallica or they're so furious fun. that we've tried to claim their star Right, yeah. they start war with us in the name of like a sixteen-year-old named Stephanie. <laughs> We're at war with intergalactic like uh, spider creatures. That was the plot of a really dumb episode of either Amazing Stories or some Twilight Zone-ish anthology series where aliens came to Earth because they were angry that we were having a Miss Universe pageant, so we, they had, we had to enter. Like the aliens had to be in it. It was really dumb. Oh, I thought man. you were going to say that, that, that full, like that they were angry at us naming the stars after oh, us, because yeah. I had that idea ages ago for an episode of something. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, damn you. But now it's still there, it's except still now I've put it out well, in the ether, well, so no one else is, write that. This is like mailing it to yourself by saying it in the podcast. It's yeah, dated, that's, that's a copyrighted. Yeah. I think that's how it works. Yeah, of course. I think um, that's how it works. So we before we... Before we get onto the stories, um, we normally ask our guests, what, if any, science background do you have? And that varies wildly from absolutely zero to quite a bit. I'll just say zero. <laughs> did you, like, what, what level did you get up to in school? Um, I graduated to- from college with a Bachelor of Science. Well, there you go. <laughs> because I didn't want to take uh, two years of a language. <laughs> so what, what science courses did you have to take in that? Um, I think you had to take, like, a year of math. I don't remember okay. taking... Any science classes in school? I remember really? taking. That's amazing. Yeah, at state school, state school. Uh, yeah, I remember taking a year of math, but nothing else, science related. Which Journalism is totally degree. I'm not using. I told you before the show. Don't. There's no yeah, pressure. Yeah, I, we brought I'm you not, on uh, for my your dad's wit, an engineer. For your presence. My dad is a civil engineer. Uh, you he's always. Good, he's a good guy then. Of course. Yeah, he was yeah. in the CBs. People are into that. People. You always, the, uh, the constru- it's a, the CBs are the construction battalion. They're like uh, they go and build shit in the uh, in in war. Okay, I've never heard that R- term. What? Yeah, CBs. Is that like the, what's the difference between that and like the, I don't know what the Army Corps of Engineers is. Do you it's the same thing. Is? No, I don't oh, know. No, well, oh, okay. uh, is it? I think it's the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They do a lot of bridges and roads. Yeah, and that's stuff, what don't they do. That's what okay. the CBs do. Find out like one does the bridge and then the other does like the guardrail <laughs> next to the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my phone. Sorry. 
Riley. It's a, no. it's, it's a really soothing ringtone, though. Do you think so? I, I like it. Yeah. Was that the default ringtone? Or did you it change it to that? Ringtone. You went through and listened to all of them? and No, I didn't do any, any such thing. Okay. <laughs> Our cameramen are helping you turn off your phone. I love it. <laughs> that was yeah. probably Hollywood calling, too. So. Probably was Hollywood. <laughs> they only over. call once. They don't leave a message. <laughs> oh, well. uh, Hollywood does not leave a message. I've learned that about Hollywood. <laughs> So, Riley, you and I worked together for a while at uh, at Microsoft, which is a, a technical techn- technology. True, you know, true. It's a tech company, um, but our jobs were less than technical. Well, also, there's no IT person at Microsoft because everyone's an IT person. And so, if you're me in that situation, like I think you were fine, but like I would just be running down the hall, like, does anybody know how I get email? Like something very simple. Like I couldn't even. Like I worked with a guy, and um, I wanted to get uh, my phone set up, and I. I disconnected his thing and then he was mad at me and stormed out and I was like I can't I don't I mean who knew that this was hard like, <laughs> it's just a phone but it's like uh, you know this whole like everything is like yeah engineering like everyone there is kind of the uh, Jimmy Fallon IT character from SNL I just move you know yeah, right. yeah, they're, yeah. Like, they're all in short so like, you still haven't learned how to put it on silent you still haven't learned that about the phone uh, it's like a no new... I think I do you just go like that a bunch huh Okay. I was, radio. Doing a little, radio, that was, that was the action. That was the action. That was the action. Yeah. yeah, that was good. That was Unless good. We got it on camera. So we'll put it on Dutch TV. Yeah. And yeah, if you're yeah, trying you're to picture it, if you're not, if you're not <laughs> Dutch, efficient, video. Just picture the move that you do to turn it on silent. And that's exactly what Riley just did. That's what she just did. Visualize it. Stefan, what is your, what if any is your background in science? I did pre-med actually in in Spain on a. American University from St. Louis. That's a lot of different countries That's rolled into one. Yes, yeah, combining really, like, a lot of. Stuff. So is that Louis in English? University has uh, has also a university in Madrid. So I was studying there pre med. So, so you went to an American. So as a Dutch person, you went to an American university in Spain. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just, yeah. just getting that clear. <laughs> yeah. For six months. Were the courses then, in English or were they in Dutch yeah, or Spanish? In, in English. Okay. So the genetics and I forgot about it. And then I did. Uh, Why six months? Because it was or f- four or five. Was that the was, first exam? It was like the first uh, the semester. I yeah, I kind of, like, this is nine years ago. And I, like for me, it was like six months of partying. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. So I was really happy to do that in Spain. Uh, but you came out of it with a most thorough understand, like a deep understanding of genetics and medicine. Well, like I told <laughs> the guys that I was really smart when I got in because I, like, I didn't have any... Uh, I like the degrees. faith-based, uh, <laughs> the faith-based university acceptance in Europe. Yeah. Um, guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no SAT or any, you know, it's just yeah, guys. No, but it, are you smart? Like, like, how smart on a scale of like, you're like not at all, slightly, averagely smart, smart, really smart, right? Like, I'll go really. I take the really. You're in. You yeah. are in. <laughs> no, but because you don't have any grades from high school here in in America, they don't. They didn't really know at what kind of level. I was because the schools are kind of different, right? Right. Compared, so they just asked me, "So, what kind of level do you think you are?" <laughs> and you just went, "Yeah, top, yeah, yeah, pretty much top level." So they put me in third year or something, or second or third year, and like I didn't understand anything, like anything <laughs> at all. So um, I just and I, like if you get a C for 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 me, that was pretty good in Holland. There's like a like a six and uh, or a seven. So I would always be really happy and call my parents, I got a six or a seven with a C. And a, but that's that's not that good, right? A C. 
Is that okay? That's okay. okay. Well, no, I mean, in Spain, that means yes, (laughs) which I think is... Come Good on, linguistic dude. joke. Huh? Yeah, thank you, thank you. No, I was happy to do it. For so, some reason, Riley did her silent movement again when I did that. Um, <laughs> I? I don't. I can't even feel it when I do it. It's weird. <laughs> so you spent time partying in Spain in college. Yeah, and then afterwards, I did a, a year of uh, uh, med school in uh, in uh, Holland. What there were you was, gonna? What was and that was a French be? university based in New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was in Amsterdam, and uh, I kind of I dropped out after a year because it was pretty hard doing shows uh, at night coming home late and then waking up at six to cut people up in the what's it called and, and it, cadavers like yeah, yeah, yeah in the anatomy class yeah, yeah so you did do you I, did yeah, full did like that. you dissected human yeah, yeah, beings yeah, yeah, yeah. jeez did you have to wear those uh the stuff that's horrible for, for so a smell a, doesn't sorry yeah that, yeah put that stuff what is that stuff uh, f- formalide formaldehyde for, yeah formaldehyde that's, that's what you put under your nose for, to keep oh no no. You know what I mean? Like you always see in like forensic TV shows when they have to do autopsies, Maybe they put it's coke. It's like t- it looks like Maybe it's cocaine. Oh no 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 no! We, I, I didn't. You just put up with the no, smell. No, but that, that's when they found no. like a decomposing body. That's when they're doing like a an, a proper autopsy, okay. but not a dissection. So yeah, that's you, true. Once it's once like you pumped them full of formaldehyde preservatives and stuff. You're, yeah, I, I would bad. assume the person that you're dissecting is just like someone's sweet old grandma who yeah. wanted to donate their body yeah. to science. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's horrible because people think that they give their body to science, but they just give them to like f- first first year med school. They students. just give them to high yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. They're just yeah, and, and it's horrible. You, you you cut in these corpus, corpses and, and you, you cut away a lot of fat, and then you throw it in a bucket, and then yeah, it's just <laughs> in a bucket. <laughs> It's horrible. I don't. I, I would never give my body to science. See, just because I still would. I hear that, and yeah? I still would. Yeah, but you're in. Fa- yeah, but you're in great shape. I mean, it's really. You can't be embarrassed you when you're dead, get, Jesse. You're yeah. dead. You can't be. No, no I'm, you I'm gonna double gonna... bucket up. <laughs> 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 Excuse me, a little dignity. <laughs> uh, bring out the tub for this guy. Oh, that's gonna be full. Uh, See, I don't. I don't give. I, don't, I honestly don't care. Like if and if uh, out of. Presumably, if you, when you do that, they take all the useful organs out first. They like, I've spoken to friends who went who went to medical school and did that as well. And sure. they, normally, when they get a cadaver, it's missing some organs because they first go through yeah, it to yeah. go like, okay, okay, this is that. a good liver, this is a good kidney, so that goes. And then everything else, who get, I don't care what they do with no, of course, with me. And if if out of it, if one student, like one yeah, of the ten students who hacked me up, gets an orga- go, orgasm, get, gets an orgasm, <laughs> yeah, or, orgasm. or get sufficiently. Um, aroused no or, or gets get sufficiently into science as a, as a and I'm a minor part of that and they end up doing something useful great and if they Stand don't up. I've not I've lost nothing yeah sure they get a good bit out of it as a comic <laughs> if a they good, get yeah. a good bit out of no, it no that's true that's true if, if donate I, your body to comedy yeah <laughs> well yeah. to medical comedy I mean it would be great to sort of like I don't know if you could somehow this would be very hard to do but if you could sort of plant different jokes in your body <laughs> for when it's being for when it's being you know, dissected gags. just swallow stuff yeah. that'll be funny swallow funny fun. Stuff yeah. you know, you stick yeah, a mouse in there and it jumps out at you. Yeah, something, <laughs> something weird. A um, tiny rubber chicken, right? Well, I have, but okay. So, like, um, how have they never made a movie about cadavers coming back? Like half, well, half kind, have they? Well, uh, if you, you never, kind of a movie called Reanimator. It's a cult, cult classic, and then they sort come of zombie it. movie. And one of the famous scenes is, uh, I think, during an autopsy, they've cut the guy's head off and it starts talking when it's on the tray next to the yeah. operating table. It's yeah. a great movie. It's really funny. It's, like, it's a tongue-in-cheek. It's like an Evil Dead kind okay. of movie. And part two, what if you were haunted by a bucket of fat? 
I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Is this a god? Nobody? Nothing? I like it. I like it. I'm looking at a fact. I remember how, how it worked. The, We've the come plot, up with the, a few good movie pitches already in this yeah. episode. The plot of the movie was the guy who had developed a serum that brought things back to life, and he was a medical doctor, so all he had to work on were cadavers. So he'd inject into these cadavers, they'd come back. Well, it's based um, on an H.P. Lovecraft, oh, which right. I think there's never been like an actually scary H.P. Lovecraft movie. Because it's all too logical. Like no, it's all too like it it's all too Victorian. Right. So the beats are wrong. They're not. It's not like mm. modern horror. So it always just turns into some weird, funny movie. Right. You know? I, I actually went to an H.P. Lovecraft film festival in Portland. It was all amateurs that had made shorts inspired by his stories, and like none of them worked as horror as as scary stuff. It was all just like it's like peculiar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but it, that's just a funny thing to imagine. You know, like around the early 1900s, what terrified people. Just imagine someone reading it like, um, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. what we're doing right now would terrify people from the Victorian era. <laughs> like, we're talking into, like, electronics and... Oh, I thought you meant all the porn we were talking about. Well, I mean, that would horrify them as well. That like, would I mean, we, we're currently talking about uncovered table legs and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that actually was a thing. I think that's a myth. I think that, like, oh, the really? covered the table legs, yeah. some ankle? I, yeah, it could be. I don't know. Write in. Um, speaking of which, we got, we got a listener write in with... Um, not not a correction. We we always say any correct. We get things wrong a lot, or we miss out facts because we don't really know what we're talking about. And we often get listeners um, who either email us at probablyscience@gmail.com or tweet us at probablyscience with corrections and qualifications and so on. Um, and and this one's more just extra information, which was really interesting. Is Last week, um, listeners, you might remember we talked about this drug um, Narcan, which um, gets given to people who are overdosing on opiates um, and. So heroin overdoses, and it reverses the overdose. Various, um, and a few politicians are campaigning against it, saying it'll encourage people to be more free to take heroin, which well, is bullshit. It's the same argument, again, like we said last week, it's the same argument people make about giving children condoms. It'll make them have sex. No, it'll just make them not have babies when they have sex. Right. <laughs> well, this is the, I mean, the, the argument the politicians are making is about its over-the-counter use. It's It's been available right. for years in, in hospitals and ambulances. Um, so, um... So Paul Loeb um, Paul Loeb is an EMT Yeah he works on ambulances uh, And deals with overdoses quite often So he says he's seen this stuff work And it's pretty cool to see Uh, uh, I'm sort of paraphrasing Because it's quite a long but really interesting uh, message Um, He said given intravenously It works extremely fast Like 30 seconds to a minute or so Except in heavy long term users And looks like we pretty much bring them back from the dead Like it's crazy Um it works, he, he explains a bit more about how it works. It works as a competitive opiate antagonist, which means it outcompetes narcotics for the op- opioid receptors in the body. So basically, the receptors that the heroin or the other opiates normally bind to, it gets in the way and binds to them instead. Um, he says it doesn't always cause that immediate severe withdrawal we talked about last week, but they always have a vomit bag ready just in case, um, and it ruins the high. Uh, he's never seen it work because na- nasal spray, it would take a little longer. Um, he says he's never seen it used. So, yeah, sorry. But it, it does work. Yes, he's never seen it used because they always use it IV. But he says nasal spray is important, particularly for non-medical people, because you don't, if you're not it's a doctor yeah, or, or a paramedic, you don't know how to find the vein. Although if you're a heroin user, you probably do know. Yeah. Well, but the heroin user themselves is the overdosing. It's the yeah. friend of or the relative. Um and it's quite hard in IV users sometimes to find veins because they get damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not, it's not like one guy doing heroin in a room. Like, if, if there are more people, probably those... Well, that's are- true. One of the friends could find it. Uh, <laughs> but he says on the ambulance, they have... Uh, brace yourself, anyone squeamish. They have an, an IO drill that lets them drill a needle right into a bone if they need to. 
Uh, but for most people, that wouldn't be an option. Um, but here's the here's the interesting bit from a political point of view. He says it's important to remember that Narcan works on legal narcotics just as well as heroin. People seem to forget that when they start talking politics. Um, he's had to wake up a few little old ladies and cancer patients that have taken too much of their medication. Um, and also seen, been there when it's been too late and someone who'd been able to recognize a, a narcotic overdose and had some Narcan nasal spray could have maybe saved their family members. The dangers are minimal uh, as well. The withdrawal is pretty unpleasant but generally survivable. This next part's interesting, though. This I is this I hadn't considered at all. He says the biggest problem is that Narcan is metabolized in the body quicker than most narcotics, meaning that the heroin or whatever will still be in the system when the Narcan wears off, and they could overdose again. Uh, they just need another dose, but people need to be educated about that kind of thing if they're going to allow its use for non-medical personnel. Uh, so you're high. Yeah. You take this thing. You're not. So high. You're it wears off. Suddenly you're super high again, and you're overdosing again. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you're overdosing. Yeah, it reverses the OD, but then it wears off quicker. So that was all s- extremely interesting. Thank you, Paul, for sending that in. Yeah, that was great. That was, great. That was awesome. Wow. What's so guys, the- we should keep this around the house for our parties this summer. Right? Is it a nasal Absolutely. spray in the over-the-counter well, version? Oh, yeah. Well, that's that what what they're talking about. Um, making available more generally to the public. Um, so the the medical people ju- just have the IV because they know how to use it and they know how to find veins when they can't. And if there are no veins to find, they can get it into the bone. But for the for the general public and for cops as well, who don't necessarily have anything more than first aid training, mm-hmm. um, and families, you know, if you if your if your grandma's ill and she's taking she's taking morphine or some other opiate, it's yeah. a useful thing to have in the house in case they overdo it. And it's just a nasal spray spread up and it reverses the symptoms and yeah because the you know as we discussed last week the um the drug overdoses especially from prescription opiates um there there's now uh more people die from those than auto accidents in the u.s every year wow is that true yeah wow yeah it's overtaken it um ODing has overtaken auto accidents and they've also said that there was that statistic in the article last week about um if you are in prison for heroin use and then um, you're out, you, you get let out. I mean, you obviously cleaned up in prison, you withdrew and everything. But then when, when you're let out, um, one out of 200 of them are dead within a month from ODing. And about Jesus. 50% are hooked again. So just the idea of giving this to the family when they let you out or whoever you're moving back in with and saying like, hey, he's probably going to relapse. Right, because um, it's not, not be it's not addressing for... the like the psychological component of addiction. And no, the same with no. like the birth the plan B. It's like people use that as birth control. Like you're not addressing the larger issue. It's a temporary solution. Yeah. But again, same with with contraceptions. That argument, the argument that's been made about contraception and about sex education that oh, if we tell the tell people about this stuff then they're gonna have more sex has been proven time and time again yeah. to not yeah, be the that's, case that's before the action right yeah exactly people still have sex people still take drugs it makes a lot of sense to do the thing that stops them from dying when that happens it seems like a no-brainer to me especially if it's not even a thing you can abuse recreationally it doesn't provide you with any high right no it doesn't so it's not- no that thing the only thing that the these politicians are claiming uh, I think it was the governor, governor of Michigan was one of them, was uh, that if you have that drug around the house, if heroin users have that drug in their possession, the Narcan, then they will be less wary about taking heroin and because they're not afraid of the, the responses. Yeah. Which, by it's... the way, you can still die and also 
people during heroin tend not to be thinking about the consequences. They right. tend to be more thinking about the heroin and the underlying things that makes them make them addicted. There were a lot of articles after Philip Seymour Hoffman died about heroin use recently and about how you never really know what you're getting. I know that's the kind of thing like parents say with any kind of substance, but like that that drug in particular, it's so cheap. And if you suddenly change dealers and it's it goes from being a 10% pure thing that you were using and, and comfortable with, and suddenly you have something that's like 75% pure, you, you could just die right away from a, what would be a normal dose to you. Yep. Like, it's just super dangerous. I'm saying heroin is dangerous, as if that's groundbreaking news. Well, but. I think you're going out on a limb there. I mean, I <laughs> think, I think we're going to lose some listeners, but, yeah. uh, you know. Um, now, how about how do you guys feel about talking about uh, perhaps a more positive drug alternative? Sure. Does it involve beautiful light? Yeah, it yeah. does, actually. Did you guys know that a burst of orange light wakes up our circadian eye? I didn't oh, know that. This is great news for the Dutch. Uh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The I mean, national color. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's our national color, yeah. Yeah, now, really? Yeah, yeah. orange. orange. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Dutch sports teams always play in a. Yeah. Oh. yeah, you guys just killed it in speed skating, by the way. Congrats. Yeah, yeah thanks. Thanks Congrats. a lot. Congrats. Did you, have, did you ever speed skate as a kid? No, I don't really like speed skating. But that is. But I'm already thinking the Netherlands are, are more into speed skating than any other country. Like, yeah, that is. Yeah, 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 that's true. And we ended up, like, fifth on the middle. Uh. What's it called? Like the, the Olympic roster. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Olympic roster. Fifth. Like, but all over, and that's just because was, of the uh, number of speed skating. Yeah, we only had got. medals in speed skating. There were like no other medals in other sports. But there are enough speed skating events that that pushed yeah. you right up yeah, into yeah, yeah. like your rivaling Norway and. We had like on wow. um, podium all three were all medals only for the Dutch, and that was not like once. There was like, yeah, you swept th- swept it a few times. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. yeah. In the speed skating, you guys also produce some ridiculously fast swimmers, probably just because of the height. Like uh, Peter well, Van den Hogenbond, you know him? Yeah, back in the two thousand games, yeah, he yeah. was he was my hero. That guy's a badass. I think he won gold in the hundred and the two hundred. But speed skating is not that uh, we we don't really do that that often in Holland because there's not a lot of ice in the winter. Yeah, but it's some something in in our like in our genes. Someone yeah, t- I read an article recently about this this race, and I'm sure you'll know more more details it's out it's this immense race that takes place between different dutch cities oh yeah yeah just uh, the stated of this 11 uh, towns connected by canals and uh, it's like a, a speed skating contest of the contest of two, 220 kilometers mm-hmm. and you have to get like a stamp from each yeah, town yeah but w- the last time we did that was in 95 because normally it's not that cold you couldn't right. just artificially like no. try to freeze the paths no. between them. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah, well, guys, we're going to have to swim could be making it. <laughs> I heard global warming is making it le- happen less frequently. It is, it is. Wow. So, so that's a... Uh, but it's one of those things where if you just put together the right team as far as raw talent... Like we talked to the author of a book called The Sports Gene yeah. on an episode a while back. And uh, when Australia finally decided to put together a bobsled team, they just looked at what the actual core skills needed... As far as body type and endurance, all the all, just all the attributes of a great bobsledder, and then they recruited these people who'd never been in a bobsled track at all. But then they had the raw talent from the other sports they played. That once they learned the basics of it, they dominated. And everyone's like, "You're never going to put together a good bobsled team." But they won gold, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't need to have your country be in the right weather yeah, for also what the sport Jamaicans, is. they have some some right. So the sprinters, and, and, yeah, it's yeah, have some in Achilles heel, right? What's that? They have a, a, like a, a different modification in the Achilles heel. 
That's oh, I, it, something different with their heels? Yeah, well, yeah. The, the Achilles tendon, oh, we talked about this too with, uh, yeah, listeners can go back and listen to the David Epstein episode. Um, ah, I forgot if there actually was a big difference in, like you do for, for explosive sports, you do want to have a longer Achilles tendon, isn't that right? Because it acts like a spring and the longer it is, the more it can be loaded. Yes. But yeah, he talked about the, the, all the things that go into why Jamaican teams put out or why there's so many great sprinters out of Jamaica is really complicated, but it comes partly from West African heritage and also just cultural things in that country because it's mm-hmm. like running is such a huge sport. Like the Super Bowl of Jamaica is just this giant high school track meet that the uh-huh. entire country comes out for. So it's like that's the pinnacle of athletic performance. Like you want to be a runner where in the U.S., if you were a great athlete, you'd be pushed into like football or basketball or something because there wouldn't be anything in being a great runner you know so it's just an issue of like what they prioritize but then yeah the, the author of that book also talked about the fact that uh, the people of West African descent have a higher concentration of fast twitch muscle fiber because that's related to uh, a mutation that gives them sickle cell which means their blood is less susceptible to malaria because it doesn't carry as much oxygen so then they have to have more muscles that can function with less oxygen which are fast twitch muscles uh-huh. so it's all like related to an evolutionary response to keep people from dying from malaria have we announced uh, probably eugenics yet which we're starting next week uh, it's, it's, it's interesting no, no, it's, it's not at all eugenic it's no, not eugenic no we're doing probably eugenics we've, we've talked about this because we, we've we figured out we finally figured out the blue uh, the blue pupil dye thing in the dog so we're gonna we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be doing this um, so so orange light uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so light's a powerful wake up call um, uh, it's effects is controlled by there's this group of photoreceptor cells in the eyeball that make the light uh, sensing pigment uh, melanopsin and these cells work separately to the rods and cones that you need for vision so it's different cells to the ones used for actually see stuff uh, and they're thought to help reset animals and our uh, body clocks with our circadian rhythm um uh, studies with people who are blind suggest this also happens in humans. There we go. Although the evidence isn't conclusive. No, I always thought that was like a hippie thing. Doesn't circadian sound, rhythm. Yeah, that's yeah. a real thing. Circadian rhythm is a real yeah, thing. I thought I it, this whole light thing. Yeah. No, I thought it was like a crystal therapy bullshit thing. I think I believe circadian rhythm basically just means your body clock is like it's the it's the natural ebb and flow of different um, hormones in the body that control. All right, but if this sleep. if this article in any way mentions an aura. I'm tapping out. I'm but done no, circadian, it. all it word literally means is a recurring is recurring naturally. Circadian, the definition is recurring naturally on a 24-hour cycle, even in the absence of light fluctuations, is the definition of the word circadian. Mm. So that's not that hippie-ish. It's just so just because that name happens to lend itself to my prog scar well, no, drumming combo. Guys, no, but you you guys are great. I mean, you do have prog a maths scar. degree, yeah, and those time signatures are nuts. Eleven seventeen. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that no blew my mind. Yeah. That's what we're going for, really. <laughs> we're going for people just listening to our music and going, well, that was... Complicated. Complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unnecess- unnecessarily about. confusing. Some of those bands, you know that is their priority. With the oh, music absolutely. they're writing, is just to make someone else go, that sounds really tough to play. Not, I want to listen to that. <laughs> no, Nashville was full of that. Full really? of math rock. Yeah, because everyone's a musician's kid. And everyone, th- their musical tastes are so developed and weird by the time they're six years old yeah. that it just goes off into complete mayhem. Like, wow. I, I went to middle school. I'm talking being 11 or 12 with, like, fusion prog bands <laughs> that are, like, 12-year-olds. <laughs> just, hey, man, we wrote this thing that's in uh, 
21-3 time signature, <laughs> and uh, it's 17 minutes long, and it's based on a prime number scale, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't even make sense. We're using notes between notes, and um, it actually makes your left shoulder convulse during the third chorus. It's just... <laughs> So we're not talking about hippie bullshit here, that with the green light and the circadian rhythms, this is actually... Yeah. So, yeah. so to find out how this um, uh, melanopsin wakes up the brain, uh, Giles oh, Gilles van der Waal at the University of uh, Liege in Belgium... Liege. Liege. Gave, and his team gave 16 people a 10-minute blast of blue or orange light while they performed a memory test in an fMRI scanner. Uh, they were then blindfolded for 70 minutes before being retested under a green light. People initially exposed to orange light had greater brain activity in several regions related to alertness and cognition when they were rested compared to those pre-exposed to blue light. And so, those that saw the green light just started uh, driving forward. Yep. <laughs> um, so Van der, uh, Van der Waal thinks that melanopsin is acting as a kind of switch, sending different signals to the brain depending on its state. Orange light, which has the longer wavelength, is known to make the pigment more light sensitive, but blue light has the opposite effect green light lies somewhere in the middle so the findings suggest that pre-exposure to orange light pushes the balance towards the more light sensitive form of, form of melanopsin enhancing the response in the brain so if you are going in for some kind of proctored test once this becomes public knowledge are you going to be allowed to request a specific kind of lighting like if you go in to take your SATs or whatever I don't know that seems reasonable if this is a known thing that this you're going to perform better you should be able either to bring in your own Floor lamp. It does. It, it well, does maybe say, you can make an app for it. Right. Just have it, have it blasting uh, yeah, as bright as it can go orange from your. It, it definitely says th more thought should be given to things like the impact of different colors of lights in environments like schools. Um, and Stuart Pearson from the University of Oxford's Nuffield Lamet Laboratory of Ophthalmology says that the findings are intriguing, but he points out that several previous studies have suggested that blue light enhances alertness and is more effective at resetting circadian rhythms. You know who's going to pick this up? It's a, a, like a company like, like McDonald's, and they're going to pick, pick it up oh, and yeah. think about it, how they can incorporate it in, Which, in their restaurant. Right. Well, they definitely they have done studies they, they, yeah, about yeah. how like McDonald's, fast food places like McDonald's are really brightly lit, yeah. and one of the reasons is that makes you eat quicker. Yeah, yeah and the colors... Because oh, you don't want to be there. No, yeah, because like, oh. really, because they don't want people to sit and graze all day. They want people... To eat their food and get out and... Even the yellow and red, just the color combination. Yeah, speed and urgency. I, I uh, heard this thing on NPR, um, which I found fascinating. Of course, I'm totally paraphrasing it. But there was this guy that when he would go to work every day, he would go into his cubicle um, or his office and he would get extremely, extremely depressed. And, you know, a lot of people get depressed just when they go to work because being at work sucks. But... He was getting sort of hyper-depressed, and eventually he took in a keyboard, and he figured out that he had a computer, he had a lamp, and he had a fan going, and he found the note for the electronic hum of each, and he was just being played a minor chord all day. Just a sad, <laughs> just a sad chord was being played at him all day, and he would just get so bummed out. That's so he literally just bought a new fan, changed it to a major chord, and now he's like happier, way happier at work. <laughs> so I think like <laughs> people are going to take advantage of that. I mean, that's got to be a thing to have like um, yeah. 
like uh, your audio, your very subconscious audio hums in your place uh-huh. to be in like a better mood. That's really so interesting. If there are any listeners out there hating their jobs, it's probably the, it's the, the, wrong light the humming. And the humming. <laughs> yeah, bring yeah. a keyboard in and find out what pitch, what yeah. chords you're being played. Get some orange light bulbs. Yeah, it's a diminished seventh. I don't. Yeah, yeah, just feel creepy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Matt, you worked with me for the past week. Yep. And uh, you noticed that we don't we don't turn on the overhead fluorescence, which I'm really happy about. There's floor lamps all around the room because oh, like, you did you did, lights are the you did last the season, and uh, <laughs> I have migraines every day. <laughs> this is funny. All three of us have not worked for the same show. MTV's ridiculousness. MTV's ridiculous. MTV's ridiculous. <laughs> one of, I gotta say, it's one of the best ridiculousnesses out there. <laughs> it's in the top ten. The MTV yeah. version is far and away the best. Um, Based on the Dutch series. It. Yeah. It was originally. It was like was Big Brother, right? Everything started over. Didn't you guys Endemol. have the first? Uh, Endemol made Big Brother, which oh, is a Dutch yeah, company. Yeah. We have a, we have a lot of TV production companies. Wasn't American Idol pop- Dutch first, or my crazy? Uh, no. What was the Voice? I don't. Dutch? Know. Yeah, the, the voice. voice. The Voice is Dutch. The Walters know. Yeah, we. Yeah, they're both in TV. Yeah, so. yeah, I guess it wouldn't have been called American Idol. I didn't think that well, it was no, a but, show called American but we, Idol. But we had well, American Idol was based on we had a pop idol, the British show, oh, okay. which I think was Simon Fuller as well as Simon Cowell, and um, and then and then they made uh, I don't remember what the other ones were, but um, I think Endemol made made one versus one hundred, which yeah, I think they did. Is the show that Riley and I wrote for from Microsoft? Oh yeah, I know the guy who, who made it up, Julien. Can I have a really? Julien? Yeah, can wow. you get me a job. <laughs> um, they made a video game out of it. We we wrote trivia oh, yeah? for the the Microsoft for the Xbox Live. It was like yeah. a live video game game show version of that. Uh, spe- speaking of where stuff kind of comes from, mm-hmm. I mean, we think we have all these things that are unique to us, and then it turns if, out they come from other places. This was about to be a segue, by the way. Yeah, Can I just jump in very quickly with one thing related to the previous story. Absolutely, and that is, I got an I got an app for my computer that I love, and I don't know whether it really does make a big difference to my body clock or circadian rhythm and I think you can get it for the phone as well but it's called Flux and it's spelled F dot L-U-X and what it does is at night time it changes the color palette of your computer screen mm. from heavy on the blues to uh, a more sort of reddish earth tones mm-hmm. and it just it, the, the point of it is that it stops it from looking like natural sunlight streaming into your eyes at night time and I don't know how effective oh. it is but I know there have definitely been studies on the effect of staring into a computer monitor or TV sure. at nighttime, and that's stopping you from like interrupting your sleep and making you not sleep as well. Mm-hmm. So this thing, at it starts to it sort of dims your monitor, but more to the point, it changes the the color, the color temperature, sort temperature of, of the, yeah. exactly the temperature of the wow. So that's, flux, that's, have a look at that flux. Check that out. That's very interesting. Every night, um, I fall asleep um, to the movie Powder, just played on repeat. <laughs> um, I have it on mute. <laughs> Um, Have you guys heard, by the way, that uh, the city of Los Angeles is, I think it's almost done porting over most of its streetlights to um, to LEDs? Yeah. And they used to be just traditional streetlight, I guess, like sodium lights that have the kind of that orangish, yellowish glow. Yeah. And I read an article about how that's going to affect so much of uh, like nighttime production of movies, because like, so many movies have a distinctive look that are shot at night because of Los Angeles' street Like Collateral, have you seen Collateral? Yeah. It has that yellow look. The whole movie's at night, that Tom Cruise did in yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, remember the streetlights before that? The streetlights like 20 years ago? No. I'm serious. Like oh, tungsten? Just... It was like everything was like a blue-white. Yeah. I distinctly remember when the streetlights became orange. Really? Yeah, like all over America. I distinctly remember that happening. Because they, they used to be completely different. It was, it was just like tungsten. Uh-huh. And then they switched to sort of a halogen, weird... 
the sodium because they just use less power. Thinking or something? of like what? W- how does it affect the emotions of homeless people? Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bigger question. Yeah. Movie yeah. Production. Jesus. Yeah. I find that our homeless have become increasingly productive over the last twenty years. Yeah. The memory tests I've given them, they've been nailing. Yeah. Well, I give I, the lighting. I, I try to give five homeless a memory <laughs> test every day. <laughs> um, the best if someone asks for money and you just instead administer a memory test. And oh. by the best, you mean the worst, like a horrible thing to do. <laughs> Let me tell you, to someone uh, who's in a really bad position uh, in this. Let me tell you what happened to me last night. Um, someone asked you to take a memory no, test? No, similar. Similar thing happened. <laughs> similar to what we're talking about. I um, was out standing outside of a show and I had just ran out of cigarettes. I'm a smoker. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed about it. Now, I, um, I was out of cigarettes and feeling like one and a guy was walking by um, and I said, hey, excuse me. I just ran out. I showed him my empty pack and I go, I hate to do this, but can I bum a cigarette from you? And he gives me one. And he goes, yeah, absolutely, man. What's your name? And I said, I'm, I'm Jesse. And he goes, I'm Jason. And then he goes, uh, he goes, can I get a picture of you? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I'm actually working on a coffee table photography book called Bums. This did not happen. Yes, it did. I swear to God, this is the worst thing. No, he goes. Everyone that bums a cigarette from me, I take their picture. Oh, Uh, at least you didn't think you were a hobo. No, no, no. Okay. No, it's everyone. So it's because you know you go out to bars or whatever, just people Uh, will bum cigarettes from you, and I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Of course you, of course you can take a picture. So I'm like smiling, holding up the cigarette, but I'm gonna be in some weird book. I thought it was like I thought he was like yeah. I'm working on a book called uh, People Who Are Wastes of Space. Will you be in it? Oh no no no! He was actually he was a really nice guy. Yeah. Just just to be sure, just double checking. I mean, I presume it's the case, but you do live in your parents' basement, right? Right. Just right. checking. Okay, cool. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, Bombs. <laughs> and you'd be on the cover now. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. This guy was so happy. Wow. It just sounds Shouldn't like it out. sounds like a super long setup to one of those jokes of like. Uh, <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I saw him in the cover of uh, those real pieces of shit weekly or something like that. <laughs> right, you know? right, like, right, your, right. Your new introduction as a stand up comedian. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen him on yeah. the cover <laughs> yeah. of Bums. Bums. Yeah. <laughs> you've seen him on Who Not to Fuck. Um, you've seen him on. <laughs> um, I hope the, we all get copies of Bums when it comes out. I really you want know a copy from of the Bums. art book Shitty, Shitty People. <laughs> just people who are just really uh, bad. <laughs> Well, speaking of people that aren't shitty, uh, did you guys know that a physicist recently translated a 13th century Latin text into modern equations? And when they did it, they discovered that the English theologian who wrote it had unwittingly predicted the idea of the multiverse in 1225. What? Um, While the work probably won't advance current models, it does show that some of the philosophical conundrums posed by cosmology are surprisingly pervasive. Um, Tom McLeish a physicist at Durham University, uh, and his colleagues applied modern mathematics to a 1225 uh, treatise on light. Deluce? Deluce? Deluce, sir. Deluce? Probably. I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to... I mean, it's... I'm just trying to figure... Oh, Luminous. Well, it's Latin. Yeah. So, written by... uh, It was written by medieval philosopher Robert uh, (laughs) Grosstesti. <laughs> that's really how you'd have to that's pronounce really it. That's really how you'd have to pronounce it. That's the, the only pronunciation. The word testy. <laughs> it's like. gross and testy. Yeah. I think it would be de luce or something. De luce. But you agree on gross testy. I am as completely in accord with you as it's possible to be. Yeah, so this. He made the cover of a worst genitalia. Worst genitalia monthly. Which surprising that it's monthly. You'd think it could be a weekly. But. Yeah, they want it to be the best of the best. They don't want it to <laughs> they, they filter through editing that magazine. Just um, you got to make sure you have major chord 
uh, electricity happening <laughs> when, you're watching, yeah. when you're looking at all that gross genitalia that comes in the pipe. Um, so they tried to write down in maths what he said in Latin words, says McLeish. Um, and then you have a set of equations, which you can then go about putting in the computer and solving. We're math- mathematically exploring a new type of universe, which is what string theorists do all the time. We're just medieval string theorists. Did this at some point lead them to the U.S. Treasury, and was Nicolas Cage there <laughs> holding a torch? <laughs> no, but it does say that, um, obviously, a man's oil is an anagram of Mona Lisa. Okay. And once you have that figured out yeah. with a black light, uh, you realize that... Um, the eye on top of the pyramid at the back of you, a dollar. You realize that the eye on top of a pyramid is the vagina of Isis, who <laughs> is, is the goddess gross. of chaos. I'm sure yeah. we've talked about this before. Like in the Da Vinci Code, I remember... I read it mm-hmm. and there's just that one point in it where you you turn the page and there's occasional diagrams and stuff throughout it and you turn one page and it's on the on the right hand side of the double page so i was looked at the right so my sure. eye was drawn to the diagram and i go oh that's some mirror writing and i read through the page and it gets to that <laughs> bit and you just it's just clearly script written backwards and and then you get to the bit where that text is and then this expert in <laughs> signs no and cryptography was like we don't know what it is and then literally like I think about seven or eight pages later, he accidentally lays it next to a reflective surface, Ooh. and a word is revealed. Yes, <laughs> look at it go! Like it's just, just do a bit of research, just do a little, like stretch it a little in, bit, in like a children's book. We've in got a children's book about coding. And, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. If it was. I remember like a comic book that I had as a kid that had some puzzles in it to solve, and right, like, it was like a, right. one of the things was like a number square and stuff like that, uh, like a magic. Uh, was it magic square or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. Where all the numbers add up and diagram. Sure, the same thing. sure. So, like, stuff like that. I go, okay, cool. For a six-year-old, that's kind of, I've solved a mystery. You put A is one and B is two and C is three. And, like, it really was that simple. And like, it was the thing that the expert had to be brought in from the U.S. to the Vatican <laughs> to figure out. Who then was. discovered yeah. it by accident when he put it next to a yeah. shiny plate. Yeah. Amazing. Some top-notch writing. Anyhow, top-notch sorry, writing. Jesse, you know really who did do some numbers. top-notch writing is Gross Testy. Gross Testy. Uh, Gross Testy had been studying the recently rediscovered works of Aristotle. And this is not recent recently, right. but recent in 1225. In, so, yeah. Uh, which explained the motion of the stars by embedding Earth in a series of nine concentric celestial spheres. In Deleuze... Uh, Gross Testy proposed that the concentric universe began with a flash of light, which pushed everything outwards from a tiny point into a big sphere. Um, so he sort of predicted the Big Bang for starters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this Ambitious is, guy, this, uh, yeah. this Gross Testy. And, uh, well, when you have something like, when you have a scrotum as nasty as that, I feel <laughs> yeah. that you're going to make up for it in other ways. Yeah, you should. You should. It drives you. <laughs> Just for the family name. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you want the gross testes to be remembered fondly. Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> well, you want to have a particle named after your surname, right? You know, yeah. Like, and what a particle! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What a hefty, hefty particle! <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's interesting that the the um, that the inventor of uh, of string theory was. Uh, I don't. I sorry. Uh, do you, by the way, um, I'm by, I was just I was as I was talking, I was trying to think of a terrible. I'm fairly sure this is right. Button. The the in the modern era, the f- the person who proposed and popularized the multiverse theory um, was the father of the lead singer of the Eels. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. That's, really? Yeah, I can't remember what his first name is, but Mark Everett, who's yeah. basically is the Eels, the Eels is Absolutely. him and whoever else he finds for the band that time that year. Yeah. Um, his dad was a well-known physicist, and he proposed, like he proposed that theory. Is the theory concentric universes? What are we talking about? No, the, the, the multiverse. Um, so 
unbeknown to Gross Testy, his like Run DMC. The theory of the theory of the multiverse is or well, I mean, I think there's various versions, but it's most basic. The idea is that each time a decision is made, or every every time something in a quantum state falls into one or the other. So if you think like Schrodinger's cat, like the cat is either alive or dead. The idea of the multiverse is two different universes are actually created, one in which the cat is alive and one in which it's dead, and they both branch off. So every yes. single time every single time a quantum state collapses into one, it actually collapses into the other in another universe. So there's Okay. Mm-hmm. There's tons is it an infinite number of universes in the multiverse theory, or I just? No, I'm trying to think. It, or just an extraordinarily large number. It would have to be just an extraordinarily large number, right? Yeah, because they're Cause in a finite amount of time testes, and a finite number. A gross testes worth of universes. A gross testes, like, yeah. That's the unit. It would be an absurd <laughs> number, but yes, I guess the universe has existed for a finite amount of time, and there's a finite number of particles within it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's weird because the holographic universe theory, which we thought you know, probably went back to 1950, 1960, was actually uh, a guy named uh, Elroy Clamstink in, in 1135. <laughs> How long have you been There we go. There we go. I'm wondering why Jesse went quiet for a minute. Sorry, I'm going to back up. When you start to look really serious, that's when it's coming. You start to make, like, unbreaking eye contact. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, it was written in Aramaic, and they had to go through and apply different... But when held next to a mirror... <laughs> um, <laughs> revealed the a laughing mirror. Speaking of the secrets of the universe, did you guys watch the the first episode of Cosmos last week? Did anybody check that out? I didn't. I, uh-huh. s- I saw the beginning of it late at night, and then I had to we are sleep. The, we host a science podcast. We guys. host a science podcast. We've had as one of our guests on that podcast one of the people who worked on the show. Yeah, yeah. I watched it. I recommend it. I think one of the most useful things to a layperson was he did a sort of. Uh, Universal or what, uh, giving our address in all of space by starting with Earth and then backing out farther and farther and farther and sort of giving you an idea with every new uh, order of magnitude out that he went in this fictional spaceship of just how vast everything is. And so he did the thing. He did the thing that I that I'm sure nearly all of us did at some point when we were kids and like wrote out our address in full. Yeah. Earth, the solar system, yeah. the Milky Way the, galaxy. Uh, uh, but then he took it more and more specific and more. Or more general. more general. Yeah, he went even farther out. And then, and you know, the graphic depiction of, of multiple universes, it was just kind of like dots, like bubbles in soda or something, each of those being. So it was very like men in black and with the marble thing. The marble, the marble universe. So it's a little silly. Cause the marble universe no, theory. There's no way to really, you know, have a visual depiction of what multiple universes I've, look I've, like. I'm also just as fascinated by starting with the human proportions and going infinitely in. Oh, yeah. Which they, uh, someone posted something recently. Uh, that really went viral. I mean, no, it made its way around, and and it was it's a it starts with just a human being standing there, but you can scrub to the left or scrub to the right, and it shows it compared with other things. It keeps going further in or further out. Oh, and, I haven't seen that. Uh, I've just seen the in, one that in shows multiples of ten. I've just seen the one that shows smoking and non-smoking, and you scroll it over, and it makes the people like. Turn. That's amazing. <laughs> you haven't seen that no. one? No. Send pretty, that to me. It's pretty rough. Like, at least, like, it's like smoking makes you a zombie by this picture's depiction of what happens. It's sure. Like walking dead character. No, but you do see smokers sometimes who are, you're like, well, that's, that's unfortunate, yeah. you know? But yeah, we should post, uh, if you can find that, that going in. Yeah, we'll thing. post it on the wall. Um, yeah, let's do it. We'll post that over on probablyscience.com, a um, website. Also, by is, the way. Uh, we got that website built, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we can, we can easily add links to that website. We, you know we can. You know why we can do that? W- w- because it's built to be a fast and easy, user-friendly 
drag and drop interface. Squarespace.com is Squarespace. your one stop shop. I knew it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Now that must have you. You probably had to refinance the home or something to to it's build a website like that. It Are you takes, serious? It takes all the guesswork out of building your own site. You just sign up, choose but, from one of their many much, beautiful templates. How much did it cost for the web professional that you had to bring in? You don't to even help? need a web professional. That's really? what I'm telling. Are you guys listening to me? I feel like no one's listening to me. Are, now, like, how about portfolios though? Yes. Let's talk yeah. portfolio. Online portfolios. Andy. I'm telling you, you can do all this stuff. And if you're a new user, you can use the the, uh, the offer code probably science. Are you fucking me in the asshole right I'm now? I'm not fucking <laughs> in the asshole. Are you fucking me in the asshole right now? Off. You can get a free trial, a month for free, and 10% off so your first specific. purchase. If you use the code probably science or go to squarespace.com slash probably science, go build a website. My friend's getting married. You know what he used to build the website for his wedding? I have an idea. What did he use? Could, uh, yeah, like five guesses. Sacred space? <laughs> Sacred space. Facebook. Circular area. Facebook. No. GeoCities. He tried and failed at GeoCities because it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but yeah, Squarespace. He built his web- wedding website with Squarespace. That's great. So even something service. like the biggest event in your whole life, the mo- you trust it trust in the hands that of to just any are you Squarespace. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Right? Sounds like hogwash. It's not hogwash. This is not a is hogwash. Not Do not bother with hogwash.com. Nope. You Don't. will end up with our inferior website. Yeah, Squarespace.com. If Gross Testy were a website company. He would be Squarespace. That's how awesome the site is. That's oh, how Anyhow. ahead of his time. So go wow. check it out, yeah, guys. He would is, have different is, uh... content on it, but uh, yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He would have whatever content he chose. If you want to make an online portfolio of all the bums you've come across who, who ask for cigarettes and then you trick them into thinking that the use of the word bum doesn't actually mean homeless when you know it does, uh, you could build that site using Squarespace.com. Squarespace.com. Yeah. And use a lot, a lot of orange. Use mu- yes, you can yeah. use, use as much orange as you can. Yeah. If you want or any color. Site, any you color. Use orange. It's the best. It's the best. Okay, so anyhow, this guy, Gross Testy, seems like he inadvertently, I guess not inadvertently, but did sort of predict the multiverse theory. Yeah, 1225. I'm impressed. I'm impressed, too. Um, how do you feel about an earthquake story? I like it. I like a, I like a good earthquake story. We California. Have, we have, you don't really get earthquakes in the, in the yeah, Netherlands. We have, we have one province now who has uh, some, like, once a month. But it's like on a scale, like on the Richter scale. You use the Richter scale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's two point four. Right. Okay. So that's so, just so a bit, barely feelable. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit bigger than someone like dropping a heavy box near yeah. your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we had a, uh, I guess there was a four point seven in Central California the other day. Which the other day really? Yeah, and sometimes there's weird effects like um, where we won't even feel it here at the house, but the pool will be wavy. Like the pool will be wavier. It affects you, water you in weird ways. Give this theory about how, like, an earthquake, if it's bad enough, like the the pool water will be wavy for like a day afterwards. But I don't think that that's not a theory. That's very valid. You can go, go to usgs.gov right now. There's so, there's so many water tests. Really? That they do. Why would water not just settle down the way it does after it gets jostled? Is it, like, are there the many thing. tremors still going on? I don't. I have no idea. But I know seismology centers actually keep pools of water in them for these tests. I thought that was just a detective like dinosaurs are walking nearby. Well, no, it also works for that. Oh, okay. Obviously, it also works for escaped yeah. T-Rexes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with energy, like I think such a pool, you, you can lose the energy because that, that pool is already in a closed uh, building, right? It's not like an outside pool they have at those sites. But the energy right. still dissipates. You know, any, sure. any, if, you, if you just, even in an enclosed pool, if you were just to give it one disturbance and let it, yeah, that, the but it, move. Could, it could go on for a few days then. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, well, the, the Easter earthquake we had like three or four years ago, it was my first year living here, but it was like the, the it was a 7.2, but it was in Mexico. 
Oh, I don't think I was here yet. I don't think no, I was you hadn't moved, you hadn't moved out yet. It was a seven point two, but it was in Mexico. But it shook our whole house. The chandeliers were going crazy. Jesus. Like nothing broke. But our pool, yeah, it was a good two days before it quit, just waving back and forth. I wonder actually whether I'm just thinking now. It's water has a large amount of in, a, a full swimming pool has a large amount of inertia, um, and there's a huge amount of energy in the ground from an earthquake. So I'm wondering whether it is just the amount of momentum that's transferred to that large body of water is sufficiently great that it takes a long time for it to dissipate. I'm sure it is a ton of energy. I just d- didn't think that water would... T- I mean, I, I don't even know is why it, we're... Now, I'm is there any way you could see that, that energy in other ways? Is that a... Are there other ways you could see the... What do you well, mean? Here's, uh, here's, oh, here's another... <laughs> Wait, what's happening? What's happening? Oh, 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 he's trying to... Mysterious lightning flashes appear to precede earthquakes. And they could be sparked by movements in the ground below, U.S. scientists say. Um, I, unidentified glowing objects. This is a BBC News web, uh, website story. Unidentified glowing objects were spotted moments before major earthquakes in China and Italy recently. UGOs, sure. Um, and it says, uh, these flickers could be triggered by shifting soil layers, which generate huge electrical charge. Um, using a tub of plain kitchen flour... They discovered an entirely new physical phenomenon. I like that. I like kitchen science. Uh, they announced their findings at an American Physical Society meeting in Denver. Um, our first suspicion was this has got to be some kind of a mistake. Uh, they must be doing. S- s- there must be something stupid we are doing, says Professor. <laughs> S- <laughs> We're so dumb. Why do they start doing yeah. it? I don't even just know. Don't stupid. This is just bullshit. This ruins the gross testy name. Uh, <laughs> the low self-esteem science team over oh, the American Actually, it's the, it's the Shinbrot name. It's Professor Troy Shinbrot, which who sounds like a space stupid, commander. Stupid. Asshole, asshole, asshole. <laughs> Professor Troy Sh- Shinbrot. Like, that is a space commander name. That is Absolutely. not a scientist yeah. name. But a, yeah. but a marionette space commander. Yeah. You guys first find the names and then the stories? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's the other way around. You're beginning to find out how we do our show. <laughs> That's how we do the show. We search it's, for funny names. <laughs> Most funny of them are scientists. If you search for us on iTunes, the category we're under is funny name podcasts. Like, <laughs> within that we are the funny names science one. then comedy then <laughs> science that's that's the order of importance um so they took a tupperware container filled with flour tipped it back and forth until cracks appeared and it produced 200 volts of charge which is ridiculous uh, they, they said there isn't a mechanism i know that can explain this it seems to be new physics <laughs> <laughs> so stupid so we got it wrong. We got it wrong. What have we done this wrong? That's the best. Stupid like, shimbrot. You did something you can't explain, and you just throw your hands up. I, I guess it's new physics. I guess. But, but also, they are kind of going, they are treating it like good scientists should, which is to go, yeah. this doesn't fit how we currently understand the world. Yeah. We've probably made a mistake. Let's see what we've made. Wow. Uh, let's see. So repeat experiments with other granular materials produce the same voltage phenomenon. Um, if it occurs along geological fault lines, sliding and cracking of soil grains could be generating millions of volts of electrostatic charge. This, in turn, could seed lightning in the air above, creating a natural early warning system for impending earthquakes. Is this related to just the way you can build up a static charge by rubbing your feet well, on carpet? I don't know. Um, so well, says, well, most fault lines are made up of balloons and hair. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So it's it's, under, under the Earth's crust, there's yeah. obviously a series balloons of balloons and hair. Um, well, says, stories of earthquake likes have been recorded for 300 years, but were typically dismissed by scientists as hearsay or fodder for UFO enthusiasts. However, in recent decades, and with the advent of YouTube, sightings of clear sky lightning have been captured, analyzed, and confirmed by scientists. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> we want to know, why does this lightning appear sometimes, but not others, uh, says Professor Shimbrot. 
Not every major earthquake is preceded by lightning, and not all clear sky lightning is followed by earthquakes. To understand the link, scientists in Turkey have erected towers that measure voltage fields in the air over earthquake-prone regions. Uh, they found there do seem to be some precursors for, um, for some large earthquakes, magnitude 5 or higher. But the voltage signal is not always the same. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. Clearly, there's a lot to be understood. Uh, their first aim is to understand the flower experiment. Uh, what is this new unknown mechanism which generates voltage in the powder cracks? Uh, that's the phrase they just used. Generates voltage in the powder cracks. The cracks in the flower. That, yeah. That they, yeah. This is not... Okay, here we go. This is not what you typically think of as static. It's not like oh. rubber shoes against a nylon carpet. This is two layers of exactly the same material rubbing against each other and generating voltage. Hello. Now, this next line I do love. How is this happening? Your guess is as good as mine. I doubt it is. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt it is, Professor Shimbrot. Uh, I want to have Professor Shinbrot. The Shinbrot seems like a cool guy. I, he I, also seems like he's down. Who's down to come yeah, on? Yeah, I, I, guess, I think the reason that no one has reported this before is that no one has thought to look. Is what the professor says. <laughs> come up, man. Uh, yeah. so I love from this. Rutgers University in uh, in New Jersey. If we have any New New Jersey Rutgers University listeners, I know we've got some listeners who are scientists in various different universities around the, the world. Um, email us at gmail.com tweet us at probably science this is probably gettable we could be the ones that break a story like our podcast could become known as the guys who cracked the lightning cracks story I feel like probably the biggest news uh, are we segueing again because I want to talk about this for a second let's talk about it for a minute this also like this means from now on you can't follow the traditional instructions when lightning so now if lightning is a precursor to earthquakes like lightning's happening Run inside. Like, get what? outside. There's an earthquake happening. Your house is going to collapse. Except get inside. There's lightning happening. <laughs> oh, good call. It's like a, it's like a house fire flap. during a tornado. You yeah. know, you just. Uh, uh, what do I do? Which what, place what, do you, I... I mean, it probably means you're just at the end of SimCity. Yeah. Okay. You just played SimCity. Except just well, to be clear. Oh, sorry, go for it. Well, just turn to, to religion. That's what I. Okay. Just, like, just <laughs> sure. kneel. Just pray and kneel. Um, <laughs> it should be pointed out though. This is a different type of lightning. To re- it doesn't. It's. It's clear sky ball lightning, so it's like a sort of it's almost like a glowing light in the sky, but that's why it gets mistaken for UFOs sure it is. rather than <laughs> sure it is. Mm. Uh, well, you want to talk ball lightning, you talk to gross testes. Uh, <laughs> oh man, this is interesting though. This is a story that ends with uh, a sort of a we don't know. Yep, we got signing no off idea. for signing off for now. Yeah. Well, I, I, so I want to get to this story because I think this is probably um, huge news mm-hmm. um, and something that we haven't really talked about. But um, turns out that atoms can reach uh, record temperatures much colder than absolute zero. How did you find this out? That seems wrong. Well, <laughs> I know because the word absolute seems fairly absolute. Who, who would send us such yeah, a story, what Jesse? Of, what kind of a <clears throat> kind of awesome. maniac? Maniac. Wait what for the of, name. Well, probably, yeah. probably some kind of some kind of Matt Matlock. Matt Pro- Matlock's Matt back. Matlock. Matt Matlock's back. Oh, and Matt, I Listener also I, uh, I got your I got your email. I'm emailing you back this afternoon um, uh, about other stuff. Matlock, Whoa, and I, cryptic. No, Matlock cryptic. and I got words to have. We gotta okay. have words. <laughs> um, but, by the way, Matt Matlock is also a past donor to the podcast, which you can do by visiting probablyscience.com and clicking on the donate button. But what's going um, if you want to kick a, kick a couple bucks our way to help us cover our costs, that's always And you can also use the Amazon purchasing link if you're buying anything from Amazon. Yes. Click on the little Squarespace powered tab that says buying off Amazon on the top of the, on the, top of the website. And, and we get a little cut. Costs, costs you, you nothing. no extra money. No and we extra get a little money. Commission. Yeah. So, um, 
So what's, what story has Matt Matlock sent in, uh, on the Life Science website? Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, Absolute Zero is often thought to be the coldest temperature possible. It's my th- understanding. Th- thus the name. Um, but now researchers show they can achieve even lower temperatures for a strange realm of negative temperatures. That seems now, very wrong. Yeah. Now, oddly, another way to look at these negative temperatures is to consider them hotter than infinity, researchers added. Mm. Um, this unusual advance could lead to new engines that could technically be more than 100% efficient and shed light on mysteries such as dark energy, the mysterious substance that is apparently pulling our universe apart. See, this seems to contravene all Everything. of the laws of thermodynamics. and Like... I don't, I, I don't quite understand this story. This seems like something that happens because someone discovered... I made a perpetual motion machine. No, right. you've just put some rubber bands around a matchbox, and well, it definitely well, isn't. The link Matt Matlock sent us is from his blog. Right. <laughs> MattMatlock.com <laughs> uh, This seems like we're setting up for a MacGuffin that's going to drive the plot of like a ridiculous Michael Bay superhero movie. Like someone found the Tesseract or something. Like the thing that the Transformers are looking for that can do this like it's like yeah. combining all the superhero movie Cause, plot because as i understand it like temperature is essentially like it, at its core is a measure of the amount of vibrational energy of the atoms or the or the particles and the and the slower they move basically all the graphs converge on zero like yes. all the all the graphs of thermodynamics and of, of of temperature and so on uh at zero uh pressure at zero motion at zero energy Mm-hmm. That is that's the zero. zero Kelvin, yes. which is about 200, 273 minus, and a bit. Minus Dig- 273.15 Celsius. Yep. That's my weight. <laughs> uh, you switched to metric? Don't shoot yourself in the foot like that, Riley. You'll have to get it amputated sooner. Trying to, trying now, to at uh, <laughs> it's also minus... What well, sounded like... like <laughs> Why didn't that go home, standing up? Homely Tennessee like <laughs> granny advice. Don't you shoot yourself in the foot that <laughs> You have to get it amputated, right? Uh, and then you just go back to baking a cake for 30 people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, granny's always smelling like batter. <laughs> Dumb bitches. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's very, it's very strange because an object's temperature is a measure of how much its atoms move, uh, as just explained by, uh, by Matt. And, uh, but there are these new weird negative temperatures to comprehend the negative temperatures scientists have now devised one might think of temperature as uh, existing on a scale that's actually a loop not linear positive temperatures make up one part of the loop while negative temperatures make up the other part um, so when temperatures go either below zero or above infinity on the positive region of this scale they end up in negative territory with I'd have no idea what's going this on. This does sound like some hippie bullshit. It sounds like hippie bullshit. Yeah. Although it's about to mention one of our fam- favorite scientists, Boltzmann. Uh, yeah, with mm. positive temperatures, this article goes on. Atoms more likely occupy low energy states uh, than high energy states, a pattern known as Boltzmann distribution in physics. When an object is heated, its atoms can reach higher energy levels. At absolute zero, atoms would ac- occupy the lowest energy state. At an infinite temperature, atoms would occupy all energy states. Uh, negative temperatures are then are the opposite of positive temperatures. Atoms more likely occupy high energy states than low energy states. I still don't know what's going on. This. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Let me explain it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Hey, you go on a rent for 15 <laughs> minutes. Another, I happen to. <laughs> while I'm at it. Uh, just at the end of it, all it's like, oh, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Let me solve the. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, so, does anybody have an intuitive understanding of this? They've created an inverted Boltzmann distribution, uh, where uh, 
atoms are more likely to occupy high energy states than low energy states. Uh, so the gas is not colder than zero Kelvin, but hotter. Um, it is hot, even hotter than at any positive temperature. The temperature scale simply doesn't end at infinity, but jumps to negative values instead. See, here's the thing that I've never even thought about that I didn't realize anybody has tried to get an answer to. is like, of course, it makes sense that there could be an absolute lowest number because it just means a lack of motion. But the idea that there could be an upper bound to temperature or that this is saying it's not even an upper bound. It's just going beyond infinity, which uh, it's just something from Toy Story. Like, what is that? Very confusing. Yeah, um, we should. um, Well, the. The way they did this is this guy, uh, Schneider. Not Diaperhead? Not Diaperhead, no. Uh, and to generate these negative temperatures, scientists created a system where atoms do have a limit of how much energy they can possess. They first cooled about 100,000 atoms to a positive temperature of a few nanokelvin, or a billionth of a kelvin. Damn. They cooled the atoms in a vacuum chamber, which isolated them from any environmental influence that could potentially heat them up accidentally. Um, they also used a web of laser beams and magnetic fields to precisely control how these atoms behaved, helping to push them into a new temperature realm. The temperatures we achieved are negative nanokelvin, which is negative one one thousandth or one millionth of a kelvin. Or whatever nano. Is nano a millionth or a billionth? But I still don't it's know what's going on because it seems to me that at that point, it's not like you have a thermometer. You're measuring it based on atom movement, atomic movement, and if it starts moving again, then you're back above Kelvin. That's what I, th- I mean, because it's yeah. all theoretical at that point. I mean, here's the thing: this I don't understand. This it was published in the journal Science, which is one of the most prestigious scientific journals in the world. Mm-hmm. So these guys aren't chances. Uh, right, this isn't like a it, Facebook link, and it might you're... connect. It might connect. It seems to connect uh, to um, something that's currently puzzling about the Big Bang. Uh, the fact that the universe's expansion is apparently speeding up rather than decelerating as would be expected, um, which might be connected to dark matter. I don't really understand this story. Or We're going to post a link. Energy. If anyone does dark understand energy, it better yeah, than yeah. we do, uh, any I know we have physicists who listen, please explain it. We're stuck. Yeah, we got to post a link because Matt Matlock, uh, write, write us in. You explain it to us. I got no idea what's going on. I want to read this really fast. It's about the, uh, the engines they talked about earlier. Negative temperatures could be used to create heat engines, engines that convert heat energy to mechanical work, such as combustion um, engines, that are more than 100% efficient, something seemingly impossible. Such engines would essentially not only absorb energy from hotter substances, but also colder ones. As such, the work the engine performed could be larger than the energy taken from the hotter substance alone. That just seems like, if there's any way that's possible, it would be really simple to accidentally set off some kind of chain reaction that... Blows up, blows up the Being universe because it's right. just an unstoppable. But it also but we thought that of also contravened the laws of thermodynamics. Right. We also, but we thought that about CERN too. I mean, there were there was a huge, huge. No, uproar. no one but, thought that though. Like, no actual scientist <clears throat> thought. But if you created something that actually output more energy than was put into it, that would conceivably creates a problem. Conceivably, but I'm saying we're not physicists. So I'm saying, like, I would also say that about creating micro black holes, but it didn't happen. Uh-huh. So I'm saying if they're having the idea and saying we can do this, I would assume they've considered right. the idea... I see of, what you're making. What point you're making. Yeah, yeah. I assume they've discussed, will this destroy the universe? <laughs> right. Will we cause the end of days? Sure. Um, here, here is something stuff. else that sort of en- that also uses lasers and is kind of end of days, but isn't. How gross uh, testes became th- normal testes? Here's something the Australians are doing right now. We've yeah. talked in the past about space debris. Uh, there's a lot of junk floating around uh, thanks to various um, 
remnants of old satellites and so on. It was the plot of the plot of gravity relied on them being Those hit damn by Russians that. leaving their stuff up there. I yeah, know. and uh, uh, so Australia uh, relies heavily on satellites to deliver services because it's got a small population spread across a very big area. Um, so later this year, a new centre founded by twenty million Australian dollars from the Australian government will begin to track tiny pieces of debris, try to predict their future trajectories, and they will ultimately aim to knock shards of space debris out of their orbits using lasers based on Earth. Awesome. The shards will then sink and burn up in the Earth's atmosphere. So the Australians are now shooting stuff from space with giant lasers, which I think is the plot of a Bond film. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's pretty great. So I don't really understand uh, why this is any more notable than... um, like, aren't there? Uh, there's a, there's a, isn't there an international consortium that's working on uh, trying to do things like this, but for not for just junk, but for um, for evil, for evil, yeah, for evil. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. No, like trying to find ways to deflect um, asteroids. Yes, thank you. No, we did the one about the uh, the basically just shooting giant paintballs at asteroids. Just so it would change the um, light reflection. We'd change side, the light reflection. Make, like, light it would sale. move it. You know, we'd but create that a solar stuff, that sail. That stuff's all super far away. This is just like low Earth. This is pretty close. Yeah, this by is more bit. debris rather than large objects that are going to be catastrophic. It's more the fact that they will they screw up any satellites and so- yeah. Well, they will probably aim for like a a, a re- like uh, they won't aim for the particle only for the particle. You know what I mean? They, they, they'll they'll project an area. And then and if something the particle comes into that flies area, in. Then, yeah. Because yeah. I can't imagine a guy... No, I think they it. are targeting... I think they're targeting specific things. Yeah? Because otherwise, they'd all, cause otherwise that would also hit the satellites that are coming yeah, through. Yeah, but us. then you turn it off. Like, it's, it's just like a, a, a surface. But, yeah, but I don't through. know, because I think you have to be careful about that, because if you... You have to aim it so that it'll knock it out of orbit and send it into... Into to our burn, orbit. To, burn, to up, burn up. Burn up in the atmosphere, because if you just break it up instead you're actually creating two smaller and therefore more dangerous problems than the one bigger problem that you had before so yeah it seems like it's a pretty tall order to have the to have the laser knock it perfectly in a way that would bring it out of orbit and not maybe make it just go farther out i get what you're saying though you're thinking like the way you play like a shooting computer game if you're not very good at it where you just keep pulling the trigger aimlessly especially on that distance i was thinking about that though because uh, when i worked at microsoft there was a, a woman who gave a speech and um they were using the logic that gamers played games with to like cure disease and like yeah they had i don't know the name of it or anything but there was like there was some project where they like I don't know what it was, but they cured a disease by having gamers sort of approach it from like a completely different way. I read that if you call you know it, yeah, if you surround a cancer patient and call her a newbie bitch, oh, here you go. The cancer actually goes cancer away. Gets intimidated, yeah, least. the cancer yeah. gets intimidated and and goes home. Hey, you suck, cancer. You suck. <laughs> right. You shitty cancer. <laughs> Pwning you, motherfucker. <laughs> I had this doctor come in the room with my diagnosis, and he opened the door and just yelled out, "Leroy Jenkins." I, was like, I don't know if this is the most <sighs> professional. Wow. So what? What is the? I'm sorry. Well, I don't have any. Yeah, well, no. But what was the gamer model? I have no idea. They just let them. But so Ender's game style. They just let them like figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it was just like it, it was. It was like. Um, it wasn't exploring like using... their approach to problem solving, whereas like a scientist might come at it from a set of rules or something. Like a gamer might think like, here's a way in. You know. 
against oh, all okay. the obstacles or something. I was hoping maybe they were just going to plant a bunch of like games and arcades around the world, like the last the plot of the last Starfighter, and like people think they're playing a game, but really they're training to become a surgeon, making... and then they'll bring in the best ones. <laughs> no, that's what that was making me think, though. I was like, this is like asteroids, like you're shooting, you know, like yeah, like, yeah, totally. like you could employ people, you know, if if this was oh, a yeah. major enough problem. Well, that's, that's what every parent like hopes will happen when their kids play video <laughs> games. They're just like in denial, like maybe this is going to make him more like nimble. The de- dexterity. Right. Right. Surgeon well, there's a there's a drone yeah. university now to operate drones. That's now oh, a university program, worst. and it's all gamers. Oh, that's horrible! It's, like Ari- it's based in Arizona, where they fly all the drones out of. God, um, um, I'd like to. Do we have? I think we have got time for at least one more story. Sure. I think we have time for one more, I, and I hope it's the one I'm thinking of, buddy. Is it related to voice? Oh, oh no, I was yeah. thinking. I, well, there's the voice one. Um, there's the music one is good too. Hmm, but we also have the one about uh, dropping food on the floor. Ugh. What to do? What to do? Well, we can we can get well, to all so, those. Can we do sometime. the food story quickly? No, let's do the voice one, buddy. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I um, I, I quite like this. I like this story just because. No, it's a great. It's a great one. We're on a pod. We're on a podcast. We have listeners who we've had listeners before who've written in. Uh, I you know uh, who've written in saying, "Oh, you didn't look like we thought you'd look like when they." Uh, well, actually, that that it made us kind. Of, it made me kind of nervous when we did uh, when we did our live episode because I've listen to podcasts before and then seen the podcast live and it blows my mind it's not what i picture it's not who i pictured yeah and i can't listen to those podcasts anymore it turns oh. me off to such a degree i had like you know what i mean it's like, it's almost like voiceover like i just heard yeah, it in my yeah. head i saw what it's it was like, that's not what march simpson's face is right yeah but right. then again you you also have the same problem with your audiences right so you did a live version and, and we're like, who's a, yeah, who's yeah, who are these listeners? Who's All these? extraordinarily attractive. Oh yeah, uh, just awesome people who wrote in on hoverboards. So it was, pretty, it was exactly as I expected. No, it was, abso- it was absolutely it was, a few uh, people backflipped their way into there, but it was basically <laughs> no. It's so strange because I, th- I think that was the first time the Swedish bikini team had been in San Francisco <laughs> just to sort of see us. And it they, was, they chartered a plane from Sweden. They chartered a plane. They actually changed their name to the Swedish nude team yeah. just for that week, which is strange because they had to start from scratch. They were already the undefeated Swedish bikini team. Right. Uh, but, um, uh, so, um, it, it turns out, um, uh, our voices can sub, uh, transmit subtle signals about our gender, age, even body strength, and uh, certain personality traits. But Phil McAleer at the University of Glasgow and his colleagues wondered whether they make an instant impression. Uh, to find out, they recorded 64 people as they read a passage. They then extracted the word hello and asked 320 people to rate the voices on a scale of 1 to 9 for one of 10 perceived personality traits, including trustworthiness, dominance, and attractiveness. Um, Although it's not clear how accurate such uh, snap judgments are, what is apparent is that we all make them, and very quickly. Um, And they were surprised by how similar people's ratings were. Uh, Using a scale in which 0 represents no agreement on a perceived trait, and 1 reflects complete agreement all 10 traits scored on average 0.92 so most people agreed very closely to what extent each voice represented each trait Uh, so it's like 92% agreement Um, it makes sense that decisions about personality should happen really fast Um, uh, says McAleer there's this evolutionary approach avoidance idea Um, you want to quickly know if you can trust a person so you can approach them or run away and that would, would be redundant if it took too long to figure out. Uh, so if, I guess if someone's like, hello, hello, they're like, oh, no, that's, that's super trustworthy. 
It's like, I don't know. I don't know what a... Hello. Hello. Well, a guy who raises his pitch becomes more trustworthy, um, according to the study, whereas a girl who, who glides from a high to a low pitch is seen as more trustworthy than a girl whose voice goes up at the end of the word. Um, it's, it's possible to change some of these aspects of your voice, he says. It's been rumored that Margaret Thatcher and the Queen were both trained to make their voices appear more dominant. Uh, so I... I um, the methods used in this paper are familiar, but the conclusions are novel and interesting, says Jody Kreiman, who researches voice perception at the University of California, Los Angeles. The way the study links personality to attractiveness and reproductive fitness, which makes sense biolo- uh, uh, biologically, she says. Um, that wasn't a full sentence. <laughs> no, that is just a half sentence. Wait, the way... <laughs> The study links personality to attractiveness and reproductive fitness, which makes sense biologically, she says. I'm right. You're totally right. You're totally right. It's not a sentence. It's not a sentence. (laughs) To be fair, we are just reading someone else's article as if it's our content. Yeah, a new scientist. But, well, no, we we, we always clearly attribute to stuff. But that is definitely... I love that. Definitely not... The way this we let's, just, let's, I just let's got, all try I just to read got, it and make it a sentence. Somehow. I just got fully I got anchor man there, basically. Yeah. You did. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> I thought when you brought up this voice thing that you wanted to show, there's actually a video that's sort of related to this, but it's more related to how um morphology affects a voice and how the shape of, of your head and of your skull can affect the way you sound. Uh, we'll, we oh, can post course. that on the. Are you talking about the Neanderthal? It, it's one? only a minute and a half. Should we just play it and see? Let's it, uh, let's just play it. Someone talking about the Neanderthal shape of the mouth and what how they would have sounded. The Neanderthal and it's very squat. Probably the voice would be higher. So Elliot, let's try male human voice. Count over three. One, two, three. Just pitch up your voice. One, two, three. Now, we might have an idea that a, a macho sound is low, but that might be very useful, but it gets even more complex. Let's just add a bit of nasal now. One, two, three. Now, the other thing that would be happening, which would actually increase that quality, is a very heavy skull that seems to pull down into the throat there. Now, add to that the fact that they had a fantastic chest, which is a support system of breath, which can produce enormous chest resonance and tremendous power. So I imagine that they wouldn't have subtle sounds. It would be loud, very loud, or very, very loud. And we can try and get that by, I'm now going to engage Elliot by pushing to me. This is actually getting him right into his body. Now speak. One, two, three. Now let's make a sound. Just let's make a huge R. And again. So that's how a British Neanderthal might have sounded. <laughs> that's how. That's how we all sounded in wow. Britain a few years ago. Well, well you know, the, uh, when I when I when I practice uh, my lines before I get on stage, actually the only line I always practice is my h- hello. Because um, I want to have it offbeat, so people are surprised and they're like triggered. Like, huh? Uh-huh. Normally, don't restart with a hello that sounds like this. So, what is your? What is your? What would I? Uh, so, I, I would start like, hello, which is just like <laughs> right <laughs> question. Like yeah. what? <laughs> and then and then they're focused because they're like they can't really comprehend 
what I'm doing, and then I, and, and, and then I'll start my act, and that's kind of how I always do it. Wow. Hello. Like Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, but I also like I I take a pause, like a really short pause. So you get to the mic, you take a beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they stop clapping, and then you greet at a them. Point. After two minutes, they stop clapping. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> After my entry, and then uh, they're like, "Yeah, you can begin." And then just off beat, I say a hello, the, uh, hello, that you don't expect, and they're like, "What?" That's like the hello <laughs> that you give, like a no, an, an unrecognized noise in the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Well, it really helped. Like, uh, it really like, and after that, I'm just I'm, so then. So you, I, I so just do my act. But so hold on, it's like, uh, so it's like uh, please welcome Stefan. And then, yeah, hello, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nipples are weird. Yeah. You guys yeah. ever, uh, you guys yeah, ever see yeah. a nipple that's? Uh, well, you have to, sl- yeah. Well, you kind of, kind of work it in there. After, like, do you, you can, do you let there do you what? let there be a pause after the hello? Yeah, so that they can yeah. try to figure out hello, what <laughs> like. <laughs> No, but it, it definitely works. It definitely works. Can I steal this? I'm doing it. I love it. <laughs> what's, your, what's your go-to opener, Riley? Why am I here? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have a go-to. That's a good idea, though. I did see... I saw Tig do this one time in a super loud room. I don't know if this is related, whatever. But it was so loud, there was no... Like, everyone... Like, you couldn't yell over them. And then she just went... Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. quiet. Like, she just started doing her yeah, jokes. Yeah, yeah. And it worked. Like, yeah, everybody, yeah. like, slowly like it got definitely well. a thing. Like, it's, mm-hmm. um, I've never done anything that drastic, but that's definitely what I tried to do if it's a noisy room at, like, a chatty room. And it's a teacher's technique yeah, as well. Like, teachers, teacher. it's... yeah, they, they tell you if you go, if the room's noisy and you try to compete with that by going louder, they try to compete by getting louder still. But if you go really quiet, they start to focus in. Yeah, yeah. I also do a thing if if there's a chatty table, just one table. Instead of engaging them, I'll literally just walk over and stand near them. Yeah, but like at the stage, like if, if there's let's right, say there's right. four tables up front, the one in the far right is chatty. You know, then I'll just start sort of going slowly wandering over there. I'm not even playing to their table, but they'll generally it makes they them uncomfortable. Presence approach makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I mean, also I'm not I'm not wearing pants or anything. <laughs> so I sort of no. I want to like like uh, I yell out words where you shouldn't yell. <laughs> so like, if I had somebody say the word no, like and then she said no, which is weird because I wasn't. It, 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 you just, <laughs> oh, it, it gives like it gives a rhythm to your set that is unexpected. So you're constantly trying really to just break good. up expected. I, I speak break patterns. up I thought, every like like every rhythm I get in my material. I break it up because as soon as there's a rhythm, the, like the audience sits back and like, oh, I know what he's doing, and then I you kind of lose them with it. So I right. always you like an uncomfortable crowd. Yeah, that's a good idea. I thought you were going to say yell something, but it's something in your speech, not a quote. Oh no! no, no. So you'd be like, "Well, I do the hello." So like is a, a pretty Dutch when I, but but even in Dutch, you don't say hello. But then you'd go with you that know, tone. Well, like, you, what is the Dutch? And then she said, "No," <laughs> you know, like no, no, no. No, she said, "Yeah, yeah." I, I don't do it on the word like said. I, I do it on a on no, but. It's it's always weird. But yeah. not too weird. You cannot really say this guy is absurd uh, humorist. Right, right. Is, but it, is it partly because uh, you is this, is this more something you do when you're doing comedy in English, and then it's kind of a way? No, no, I do can... it in Dutch as well. Oh, okay. And this what, is to dist- what is the Dutch for? distract them from the wooden shoes? Yeah, mm. is a, a like good <laughs> wooden shoe distraction. What, what is the Dutch for hello? Well, that's you, you would hello, come, right? Yeah, you would say hello, but it's more like a. 
with a... That is the actual word. That's, yeah. Oh, okay. But there's a difference between hello and uh, hello. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> totally different. Like, yeah. but, uh, Do you mix it up? Because like sometimes I find if I, if, if I can start making a pattern for a comic's cadence, then I start tuning it out. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like if somebody's That's like... That's what you were saying, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you follow a pattern yeah. the opposite. People yeah, yeah. Out. yeah. So yeah. as soon as... So change it. Especially with uh, jokey jokes, like with a real punchline, I try in the middle something weird so it distracts from the structure. Mm-hmm. It distracts of- from the structure, but then you're... But I'm wondering if the intention, like when you said, she said no, like, and you changed the way that you would say no... You're also changing the meaning of the word by the way that you're saying it. Not always. <laughs> I, like I, I don't do it on really important. Oh right, right, right. I, I find moments. that I find it's careful. Like the thing I, I have sometimes is I have. There are certain words which we've discussed many times on the show that I pronounce differently to you. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, survival or, or words that we mind. don't have, or even words that we don't have that you have, and so on. And I, and I, when I first started performing in America, I used to change all the words like i'd say uh route rather than root even though that seems weird for me right uh so then i stopped doing that because i thought they'll know what i mean if i just say root right but my new rule for that is in the setup i'll change it but if it's in the punchline i'll say it the american way yeah because i think if it's in the punch if it's in the setup the extra half a beat that it takes the audience to process what the word is i meant he means process by the way uh is fine but if it's in the punchline, uh, you you need them to reach the understanding at the same time Maybe, that you do. You I, need you need all the audience to go. So so ah, yeah. that. So you would say a joke like, for instance, you'd be like, um, uh, "Hey, you know, uh, I found uh, I found a beat on the edge of the road. Yeah, it was a good route. Yeah." <laughs> I would love it if like you doing that undermined all your comedy <laughs> <laughs> well maybe for listeners if they, if they want to have like a clear example is uh, 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 just a uh, YouTube Arch Barker he does it a lot so he'd, he'd be like suddenly like go like and there's nobody Right. It, suddenly, like there's no logic to it, but suddenly he yells out. Yeah, yeah. He does. And then he disrupts his rhythm. Where can our listeners find you doing that? Yeah. Do, where can where can our listeners find you? You're on Twitter and uh, yeah, and uh, I, I have a few clips in English. If you otherwise just learn Dutch, learn yeah. learn a new learn language. Dutch. Yeah, no, and, but, uh, but I mean it's worth it. It's worth the yeah. time just to see your comedy. It's <laughs> worth putting that time in. I don't know if we've had somebody on the podcast before who started doing comedy in a non-English language. Have we? I don't think so. Well, yeah, is it was it hard to transition into to translate your jokes into English? Did you go uh, no, with just literal no. translations at first? No, not, or? Not, not that much. Uh, mainly because Dutch is, uh, language is not not as full a language as English is. Uh-huh. So there are more words in English than there are in Dutch. So it's easier to to translate a joke from Dutch to English than it is from English to Okay, and that's Dutch. My, that was going to be my next question. When you do stand-up in English, um, do you translate your existing Dutch material into English or yeah. do you write separate material for... Well, I also uh, write some uh, separate material. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I would assume if there's any sort of wordplay-related things... That's yeah, word, but that's... If, 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 if you have, like, a language like uh, uh, Dutch, um, we have a lot of wordplay. Uh, I, don't, I don't use a lot of wordplay in my, in right. my act in mm-hmm. Holland. But uh, it's because the, the, the language isn't that rich. 
So one word can mean like four things. So then you have a lot of wordplay in yeah. a language. And because I don't have a lot of wordplay in my Dutch act, uh-huh. I don't have that problem. But there's still like a few like references to stores or... Was there a yeah. time when you tried a joke that was like a killer joke in Dutch, and the first time you did it in English, it just got nothing, and you had to no, ask somebody no, why? That never, had never, had never had it. Never had it. Kills They're every all, time. Yeah. every time. Every time. Every no? time. They only get better. <laughs> so wow. they, can, they can find our listeners can find you on Twitter at uh, at uh, Stefan Pop. Yeah, Stefan Stefan underscore Pop, and then um, yeah, I'll, I'll be in town for 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 a few more weeks. So cool. I'll so trying to see you do up. a live show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And Riley. Well, oh, um, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, at Riley Newton. Cool. R Y L E E Newton. I'm just uh, saying it's no, not no, a conventional I said, I mean, it. It's, no, it's, good. Like it's, it's good. It's not. Totally it's good detail. It. It's good details. I totally really. meant it. It just didn't seem like it. Uh, so yeah, it's check so those like out. It. As always, find us at Probably Science. Uh, probably Science at Gmail dot com. Our website is Probably Science dot com. Um, uh, po- apologies for bad mouthing people who like My Little Pony. Someone wrote in with a horrible story about someone who <laughs> who was very di- uh, someone who someone yeah, after we bad mouthed bronies a little bit last week. I, well, I did. I'll like, take the hit on that. I did. But then I but then I had to go to furries and I I feel bad about that. I whatever subculture Come you're right. Well, no, me. it's furries not, are weird. No, no you're no. allowed to. I mean, it's whatever. It's it's just I I don't know. I don't know at what point you just can't. I don't know when you you just have to. When can, can you judge anything anymore at all? Can no. you think anything's weird? I mean, taking away all of our fun, the judging we do. That's no, so I just mean it's like, what are we left with? What's his name? With the nuts. What's his name? Gross testy. So I'm, he's the only person we can make fun of. No, I dead, think whatever your genital shape. Yeah, yeah, he's been dead for centuries. Accepted. But uh, did we offend a, a brony? I'm sorry. No, no, we didn't offend a brony, but uh, we did get a link to a story... There was, uh, I don't know, uh, we got a link to a story about an 11-year-old who was bullied very badly as a result of liking My Little Pony. I was like, no, nah, oh, well, that's I not, I don't know, if, I don't think that's that's a parallel. I don't think they were listening to our podcast and then they decided to go beat him up. No, 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 no. but I also think that being an 11-year-old that likes a children's cartoon, as opposed to being a 30-year-old hipster that is sexually attracted to My Little Pony, yeah, a is difference. a huge difference. There is a difference. difference, there is difference. So I don't think, I don't think those are parallel thoughts. Obviously, yeah. bullying sucks, and he's a kid who likes a cartoon. Like, who gives a shit? So but, stop bullying kids, but grown-ups, yeah, how, but how if much you yeah, but move if you're, on to if adult you're, things? Yeah, if you're yeah. a 30-year-old like beard guy who's yeah. out at the bar well, in, your, like the rest of in your unicorn yeah. horn to, to you know, cachet the hipster poon, like, fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. You know? That's true. The number of, Wait, people, um, the, the number of adults bully that made guy. fun of... <laughs> People yeah, need to bu- they need All right, we're going to end this time. Send us a link about bullying that guy. <laughs> we're losing the How can we bully listeners in the last five minutes of this podcast. <laughs> if you've made it this far, everybody, we appreciate it. And uh, come back and talk, tell your friends about it and give us ratings on iTunes because that actually does help spread the word about the podcast. And don't bully anybody. Stop bullying. We Stop bullying. I've write nice things about us on iTunes. The Dutch. Don't, bully things. Can bully. don't bully the Dutch. Don't bully no. anybody. All right, we'll see. Learn the language first. If you're going to bully the Dutch, learn the language and bully them in their native tongue. Have a little respect. All right, right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.